All right. Welcome, everybody, to the 16th episode of Sports Cards Live. What a run it's been so far. Thanks to all the viewers who've been with me for the ride. Really appreciate all of you. want to thank last week's guest, Carlos Diego, last Wednesday. We had an awesome, awesome discussion, all things hobby, current events. It was really an exciting chat. Go check that out if you haven't. It's archived on the YouTube channel, Sports Cards Live. Of course, if you haven't yet, please do subscribe. And then, of course, last Saturday, uh, Billy Celio, product manager from Upper Deck, joined me. And uh, what a great show that was. We went we went over two hours. Wasn't planning on it, but, you know, the conversations keep going. There was so much awesome interaction with all the viewers. So thanks for the comments and questions. That was spectacular. Uh, this coming Saturday, my guest for this Saturday was supposed to be Steve Grad, the guy from Pawn Stars, from uh, the lead authenticator of Beckett Autograph Services. He's had some travel come up, so we're rescheduling that. I may just have to freestyle on Saturday. We'll see what happens. Next Wednesday, though, have a new guest booked for this Wednesday. Ken Reed, co-anchor of Sportsnet and author of two books, in the, two hobby books called Hockey Card Stories, Volume 1 and Volume 2. He will be joining me next Wednesday, a week today. So, guys, uh, just about a 400 subscribers on YouTube. Help me get up to 400. Be great for the channel. Love that if you guys can subscribe. If you haven't yet, I want to do a couple of shout outs as well before we bring out tonight's guest, Justin. First one, there's a brand new uh, a brand new podcast. It's a hockey card centric podcast. It's called Center Ice Cardcast. Check that out there everywhere, YouTube and all the uh, various uh, podcast platforms. So be sure to listen to these guys. They're giving it a go and uh, wish them all the best. And I'm actually going to be the inaugural guest on their show in a couple of weeks. So stay tuned, more information for that. And then I also want to shout out a couple of my, my one of my, the, the YouTube channels that really inspired me to do this one, the House of Jordans. It's really cool. These guys now have come up with their second spinoff from the original House of Jordans called uh, Convos with Chris. So in, in addition to Christina's Corner, they now have Convos with Chris. Really cool. I'm going to watch that premiering tonight after this show's over. So be sure to check that out. All right, guys. So before uh, we, well, let's get on with it, actually. Let's bring out Justin. All right. Justin, welcome to the 16th episode of, of uh, Sports Cards Live. Super happy to have you, man. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing well. Doing really well, Jeremy. Appreciate you having me on here, even though it is slightly past my bedtime here on the East Coast, but we make exceptions. Yeah, man. Well, prepare to stay up late. You know, you mentioned you're on the, you're on the East Coast. I know that you are in D.C. And you know what? I mean, we're, this isn't a political show by any means, but I think it's just appropriate that we acknowledge what's going on in the world right now. Uh, the peaceful protests, the riots in the evenings. I think um, I just want to acknowledge it and say to everybody, please stay safe, be kind to each other. And uh, let's get past this and make the world a better place as we move forward in time. Justin, you're there. You're in the heat of it. You're sort of seeing what's going on. So if, uh, you know, anything you want to add or just to acknowledge yeah. what's going on? Yeah, no, it, absolutely. And, and I, I couldn't agree more. It's it's one of those things I'm I'm doing well. It's just very it's just very strange being in the, the nation's capital right now. It's it's a, a massive military law enforcement presence. Um, like you mentioned, though, during the day and I've, I've been to um, some of the, the protests and the rallies there. They're very peaceful, organized. It's it's just unfortunately the the certain bad actors that come out at night and um, they they steal the spotlight from all of the good things that happen during the course of the day. So um, I, I agree with you, everybody. Everybody, be safe, be kind, and and 
hopefully we can all take a chance to reflect on why this is happening and and move forward in a positive direction from here because we we need to do a better job as human beings. As society, for sure. 100% agree. All right. Well, glad we got to acknowledge that. So, Justin, I mean, um, I wanted to have you on the show. You're somebody who has uh, popped up in the hobby uh, in, for me over the years. Um, really, you know, I remember being at the first few nationals I went to going back to 2008, Chicago, Cleveland, Baltimore, uh, back to Chicago. And you, I mean, you're a tall guy. You're tall. I'm six foot six, but you're, uh, you're, you're taller than me. You're probably close to seven feet, if not seven feet tall. So you're somebody who stuck out and, you know, bald like me, you're someone who I've definitely seen. And, you know, I don't know that we ever really chatted at the shows, but we definitely kind of rubbed shoulders and saw each other. And, and then, you know, fast forward to, uh, I guess to earlier this year when I became much more active on Instagram and, uh, you, I caught wind that you were going to uh, start this virtual show, card show on Instagram. And uh, I thought, what a great idea. And well, I'd like love to take part. And I did. I think I was probably one of the only guys on that show that first time uh, that was displaying hockey cards for sale, along mm -hmm. with some basketball. But um, that's really, you know, uh, that was a, another kind of reintroduction uh, for me to you. I thought it was awesome. It was part of the inspiration for what I'm doing right now as well. I mean, it just, you know, and then COVID came along and everything. It, COVID was there, but it further, you know, things started to shut down. We had more time on our hands. And uh, so I want to thank you for what you did because it was an awesome event. I had a great time with it, made some sales. And since then, I know you've done a few more. Why, but why don't you sort of take us back? Um, we've got a lot of people watching right now. And what I like to do is for people who don't, you know, not everybody knows each other in this hobby. You know, we all see each other around. We all know each other's handles here and there. But it's, it's interesting to always put a face to a name and maybe learn a little bit about fellow collectors. So take us back a little bit and let us know kind of how did you get into the hobby and what brought you through from the hobby until where we are now? No, uh, happy to do so. And it's, I, I am, I guess, at least in collecting years, I'm probably considered on maybe a slightly older collector. Um, but again, I, I started, as, as a lot of us did, just breaking packs um, of, of baseball cards back in the late 80s, early 90s as a kid. Um, I had the distinct privilege of, of getting into the hobby and out of the hobby and then back into the hobby at probably the worst times. Um, so I first I started off as a kid during the junk wax era, the late 80s, early 90s. Um, I got out, got back in and in college before, you know, before all the exquisite stuff blew up and then kind of got back into it after that. But um, it started off just as, as so many of us have just as a, as a kid opening packs um, that, you know, obviously that died down to play basketball, go to high school, be awkward, all those fun things. Um, but then when I got to, to college, uh, a good friend of mine. Um, he, one day he just randomly asked me, you know, do you want to go to a sports card show? Because I, I went to UNC Chapel Hill in North Carolina. Um, and we are 20 minutes from the, the state fairgrounds in Raleigh. So, you know, he's like, it's a Saturday morning. Just, do you want to go? And of course it sounds great. Um, so we went to the show, he kind of showed me around and I had the biggest show I'd ever been to before was like. 25 to 30 tables just in the middle of the the local mall shout out salisbury mall um back in the mid 90s um but again i never i didn't know what a card show was so so we went to that thing and it was cool it's probably a used to be a decent sized show about 150 tables um but as he started to kind of like explain you know how things worked and um 
how to navigate the the showroom floor. He was like, well, yeah. And then I buy these cards and then I sell them on eBay. And I was kind of like, well, what is eBay? Because this was 2002, maybe. And again, eBay just wasn't the ubiquitous thing that it is now. Um, you know, somehow that was actually 18 years ago, which is hard to believe. Um, but he, I was like, yeah, what's eBay? And he's like, well, it's just that kind of marketplace that you've probably seen kind of random advertising or whatever for people just trying to like sell a mattress or a lawnmower or something. Um, but I actually sell sports cards on there and I'll buy them at a show for a hundred bucks and just, just go back and sell them later that night for like 500 bucks a piece. And wow. Okay. Um, and of course he's much smarter than I am. So it was never that easy for me. Um, but that was kind of my reintroduction to things to say that, you know, this is something I really enjoyed as a kid. It was fun to see how things had changed. It was fun to, flip a few cards to make some beer money and I'm um, just screwing around money. So that kind of got me back into it. Um, after, after I graduated and after I, um, I moved down to, to start working, I, I kind of got out of it a little bit again, just because just, you know, natural life transitions. But I would say that starting around 2009, I've, I've pretty much been full time since then. Um, so it's, it, it's been, I think my first national uh, was 2013 in Baltimore. So this would be, this would mark, I think that's the eighth year of um, going to the national. I, I keep going back and forth on whether or not I'm going to go to Atlantic city, but I mean, it's, it's two train rides away from me in DC. So I'll probably go, I probably won't like it, but I got to keep the streak alive. But, but yeah, I, I've been, I've been an active participant on any of the, any number of the different mediums that I know we're going to discuss a little bit later. Um, whether it's the evolution of the message boards, Instagram, Facebook since then. So it's, it's been, it's been wild to see how things change, but things just stay the same in terms of the people that are involved, cards that are in, in or, that are involved, the, the tricky waters that we need to navigate, just every, everything that comes up in present day has come up in some way, shape or form in the past. So um, it's, it's good to be able to kind of leverage all that experience and, and share those experiences for the folks that are just jumping in. For sure. And I mean, you know, you did. It reminds me that uh, I guess it's about a year ago I was doing some content consumption, hobby content consumption online. And I came across the Cardboard Chronicles episode where uh, Josh was interviewing yourself and you kind of were giving a bit of a, you know, do's and don'ts and tips for going to the national and what you need to know and that. Mm -hmm. And it was very informative, very educational for people who hadn't gone before. So um, that was pretty cool. Anyone who's watching right now, guys, um, if you haven't watched this show before, Sports Cards Live, and you want to get involved and ask some questions, make some comments, need you to go uh, to StreamYard.com slash Facebook. It's, it's going on the ticker right now. Click the big blue button. And that'll if you're watching on Facebook in particular, that will allow us to see who you are and happy then to bring you on board. Uh, as well, Justin is on Instagram, as many of you know. He's got over 4,000 followers. So if you're not already following him, most of you probably are. But if you're not already following him, there's his Instagram handle coming up right there. See it right there? So feel free to go and follow Justin on Instagram. He's got uh, a great collection, some beautiful basketball cards, very much worthwhile going to look at. So, Justin, I mean, you mentioned that, you know, uh, the hobby, it's a lot of the same people coming back in, in and out. Uh how often, I mean, for myself, I, of, I often hear from people that say, oh, I'm just looking to get back into cards. I haven't collected since the 80s or the 90s. And I really, it's like, how do you catch somebody up from then until now <laughs> and let them know 
how the hobby has evolved. I, I don't even know where to start. And I consider myself a bit of an expert in the hobby, knowing what's going on, keeping on top of current events. But how do we really catch somebody up? What's the And this is something we didn't discuss already, but how would you go about introducing somebody who's coming back into the hobby and trying to give them a heads up as to how things are going? Like, what? where is the hobby at now? If you could... I mean, off the top of your head, does anything come to mind uh, that like one suggestion you would make to somebody? Um, well, unfortunately, it's not very practical right now since everything is essentially closed. But I, w I would say the best way to get back into the hobby is to go to a show. And it doesn't matter if that's if it's the national, if it's your local regional show that, that again, is 100, 150 tables. If it's set up at a, a VFW hall and it's, it's 30 tables. Um, if it's just going to a, a card shop that's in your area, um, just anything where you can kind of see every all of your options in front of you. And, and when I say all of your options, it's um, it's the number of different sports that are available now. It's the number of different uh, products that are available. It's the, the the types of graded cards versus ungraded cards. Um, it, it's just all of those different. It's the different price points as well, because if if somebody who was in the hobby I mean, my God, at this point, if they got out of the hobby two years ago and they're just now getting back in with things that they bought two years ago, it's entirely possible those prices have just skyrocketed. So, I mean, obviously, any type of direct contact or interaction that you could get with the hobby from uh, from a show perspective or a local card shop perspective, I think is is probably just the, the best way to reacquaint. Um, obviously, since that's not <laughs> that's not an option anytime soon for most of us. Um, I, you know, I, I have to think that it's it's just kind of a, a combination of of eBay and, and Instagram. Um, and I, I think that I think that eBay is probably just the the best place to start um, because just given kind of given the assumption that it is somebody that was in the hobby. So they kind of understand what the hobby is. Again, if they're if if they were like myself in 2001 where they exited the hobby pre-eBay and they're trying to catch up now, I oof, um, we, we might have to have some separate counseling sessions with them, <laughs> yeah. but um, for, for most of, I think most people have a general idea in the internet age of, of what the tools are and the resources that are available. So yeah. bro broadly, those tools have not changed. You know, eBay is, eBay is still eBay. eBay is still, I mean, I think I, I saw something, whether it's a soundbite or an article, or I can't remember what it was, but the eBay's biggest seller now is sports cards by category, sports cards yeah. and memorabilia. And it, it's yeah. not even close. No, um, I've, I've heard that as well. eBay sports cards are the biggest segment on eBay. So that's, that, mm -hmm. that, I think that, I think that actually, you know, gives us a little bit of clout when it comes to eBay as a, as a hobby in terms of policy, uh, you know, for example, um, showing sold completed listing prices, showing whether or not a card actually got paid for. These are things I think we mm -hmm. want as a hobby. And perhaps because we are their biggest segment or their biggest category, we may, if we band together and talk to the right people, we may be able to, you know, invoke some change. That would be pretty cool. You mentioned that, you know, um, people know where to go now, uh, especially virtually. I'll, I'll add because, you know, you mentioned um, you mentioned eBay and, and uh, Instagram. I'm going to add uh, YouTube where we are right now. And of course, Facebook groups mm -hmm. where you can go and ask questions and Oftentimes, there's people who are more than willing to answer. And of course, YouTube has a lot of hobby content on there right now. If you can find what you're looking for and make sure that you can kind of weed out the uh, the good information from the bad and uh, right and and go from there and, and reacquaint yourself to the hobby. 
Okay, man, before we move ahead, let's just go to a few of the comments. Welcome some of the people to the show. One of my favorite guys in the hobby, Rodman Martinez, is here. First to the show, Rodman, happy to have you. Rodman, someone that I someone I met at the last national in person for the first time, but he reached out to me kind of blindly on on uh, in the in the, on the on uh, sports uh, blew out and uh, really was a super welcoming guy to me when I started getting more into basketball cards. You're familiar with Rodman as well, I'm sure. Yeah, let's let let's let's not boost his ego too much. So let's let's keep keep the the head somewhat reasonably sized. But yeah, Rod, Rodman's all right. I didn't realize that was the thing. So all right, right. Uh, no, no, no. He's he's good people. We I know him. you're kidding. I know he's a great guy. Great guy. All right, Jason, welcome back to the show. Nice to have you, Al. Thanks for coming by, Frankie. Frankie, thirty five hundred. Happy to see you. Welcome to Sports Cards Live. My buddy Name is in the house. Name, welcome. Josh, glad to see you made it live tonight. Who else is here? Oh, I've lost my comment, guys. We got Scott in the house. We got Sam. Justin, thanks for coming out tonight. Alamo, Justin, one of the best, plain and simple. I mean, I got to get to know him better, but I'm sure I'm not going to disagree with that. He's not that tall. I don't know. I'm pretty tall, Justin. So pretty well, well. It- yeah, and I don't think I've given the background, but there's a reason it's six one zero sports cards. Like it's it's six ten sports cards because I'm six ten. Um, and it's it. funny because I I get the the random uh, direct message on Instagram of like, hey, are you from Philly? Because Philly's a six one zero area code, and I'm like, no, I'm six ten. And then a lot of times it's followed up with, oh, okay, can I can I buy your Instagram handle? It's like, no, no, no you can't. There's a reason for this. Yeah, that's perfect. I didn't realize, I thought it was your area code. Now I know, I'm glad I know. Andy's in the house. Welcome, Andy, as always. Name started following you once he saw me post about uh, having you as a guest. So there, that's pretty cool. Name, check Thank out his, uh, his feed. It's really cool. Uh, Andy says, just tell them cards are hot again. They certainly are hot again. Gerald Fortier is in the house. What's up, my man? Great to see you. Thanks for coming out. Uh, Josh just added Justin today as it's my first day with Instagram. Yeah, I, I followed you about within the last hour, Josh. So welcome to the gram. Uh, what does Gerald say? Hope I did the StreamYard thing right. You did, buddy, because I can see your name. Uh, and there you are. So thank you for doing that. Appreciate it. Francisco, thank you for being here. Peter L. Oh, must got to 400 subscribers. Awesome. Thank nice. you for that. Thank you. And my buddy Ralph is in the house. Awesome show guy. Beards of Zeus. There you go. Exactly. <laughs> Charles, welcome as always. Rodman. Oh, what does Rodman say? I'm only here because of the beard. Well, hey, you can't argue with that. I'm just happy you're here at all, Rodman. All right, guys, that's the end of the comments for now. So, okay, before we go, here's another. Love the beard. From thank Adam you, thank you, and, thank you. Uh, beard gang. Yeah, well, I don't <laughs> have one, but uh, I don't know how mine would grow. Anyway, okay, guys. So thanks for that. Welcome everybody to sh- to the show. Happy to have you all here. If you, uh, I put up. Uh, I know most of you already follow Justin. If you're not following myself on Instagram yet, there's my Instagram handle. Please feel free to follow me. And again, subscribe to the YouTube channel if you haven't yet. I don't want to say that too much. It gets annoying, but appreciate it if you do that. Okay. Fear the beard. Fear the beard. And uh, quarantine beard is coming in good, says Jared. Okay. All right, guys. Thank you, everyone, for being here. Really appreciate it. So, Justin, we chatted a bit about, like, how do you how do you collect? You're a basketball collector. I kind of touted you as an expert. That's what I consider you. Can you give us a little bit of information on how you collect basketball cards, how you approach the hobby? And, you know, 
after that, how would you recommend someone new who is collects other sports, whether it be hockey, baseball, football, uh, that wants to branch out into basketball just because it's a lot more fun now? And, you know, up here in Canada where I am, we've got the Toronto Raptors who won the championship. They're very exciting. They turned the whole country into basketball fans, myself included. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was standing up looking at the TV screen during those final games like I hadn't done since watching uh I hope no one gets mad at me, but watching the Pistons in the 80s was my team. That's the only TV we could get where I grew up in Winnipeg. So anyway, can you let us know, how do you approach the hobby and what would you recommend for somebody who's looking to break into basketball? Yeah, you bet. Um, and I guess I, I'd start by saying I, I've pretty much tried all of the different ways to collect or to engage with the hobby. Um except probably just opening wax because that, that just doesn't appeal to me. Um, but I, I've played around with, you know, trying to buy out whole collections, buy huge bulk lots that are hundreds and hundreds of cards, um, go through all of those cards to, you know, try and sort out the valuable stuff, um, you know, take my time to shop that around and try and maximize value, sell it, flipping those. Um, you know, selling the the smaller stuff in, in bulk and in bigger lots, um, just basically taking on all of this inventory, uh, trying to use that as a way to to keep myself busy with cards. And unfortunately for me personally, that's exactly what it did. It was it was busy work. Um, that was not engaging to me. It wasn't interesting to me. Um, it it just added kind of undue stress because I was buying all of these cards. Um, and I mean, I've, I pretty much, I live in a one bedroom, one bathroom apartment. So my space is limited as it is. Um, and just taking on, you know, you buy two or three collections of a few hundred cards a piece. And before you know it, you just, you have boxes and boxes of stuff just sitting around and, and, you know, you, you sort it the first time you get it, you pick out the stuff that's probably the easier sell just so you can recoup some of that cash. And then you're like, I'll get to the rest of it later. It's fine. Um, you don't get to the rest of it later. It just starts to accum accumulate and collect dust and you add more boxes on top of it. And, and just un unfortunately, that wasn't a good way for me to to continue to, to interact with the hobby. That wasn't a good option for me. Um, I've tried branching out into other sports as hard as that might be, uh, be to believe. Um, you know, I, I think my the first foray was was with football, uh, you know, just trying to by stick to the basics, like like a lot of people try and do, but you know, buy the contenders, rookie autos, um, maybe some national treasure stuff. But again, not not really getting too far into the deep end uh, because I just trying to feel it out. You know, tr learning from the mistakes of the past with buying the the bulk lots to say, all right, you know, let's let's just let's maybe not go too crazy with this next experiment. Let's you know, let's dip our toe in first and see how that goes and. And again, it was it was a good learning experience for me, but I, I just I just don't really enjoy football, or at least I don't enjoy NFL um, as much as I do basketball. I, I love college football. I'm a, a huge college football fan, but um, as I also quickly learned, the, the college football cards just or the college sports cards in general, but specifically the football that I bought just doesn't hold the value like the professional cards do. Um, so for me, the not being as interested in the NFL as I am in college football. And then just the fact too, I mean, you, you just think about it from a numbers perspective, you know, 
in basketball, there's there's up to I think it's 14 guys on an NBA roster, maybe 15. Um, so you're you're essentially capped at 15 guys times however many teams are in the league now. Um, but you're you know you're right around 450 or so possible NBA players. Um, and again, that that doesn't necessarily account for veterans or whatever that'll be included in products. But you you kind of know the number of players that you're going to be working with in a, in a given set in a given year, and you can narrow that down from there. Well, with with football, with 52 man rosters across the 30 teams, um, again, you you introduce the the legends into the mix, um, especially in contenders. You introduce the guys that are like sixth, seventh round draft picks that you might have seen play once on like a a, a bowl weekend in late December. Um, it just introduces so many more players. And for me, I, I never I never had enough interest to really kind of wrap my arms around to say, okay, you know what sells the best? Is it quarterbacks? Is it running backs? Is it wide receivers? Is it veteran guys? Is it, is it rookie guys? Should I be looking for value? Again, it was just, it, it was daunting enough that my kind of overall interest with it just didn't kind of propel me forward to, to want to continue down that path. Um, and ultimately I'm sure you've said it. I'm sure your guests have said it. I'm sure I'll say it multiple times tonight, but it just came down to buying what I like. I mean, it, that's that's the main thing. If if you if you get a card or you buy a card and you get it in hand and you open the package and oh cool nice this is in and then you grab it off the the coffee table 15 minutes later and you're just kind of shaking your head like oh I don't know why I did this then you know we all do it it, it happens it, especially yeah. now when retail therapy is uh, a very real thing um, but but you should be buying the stuff that the stuff that you like the stuff that you're interested in so for me. Um, that, you know, that's obviously first and foremost basketball. So with the basketball stuff, um, I've collected, I've tried prospecting from a rookie perspective, from a young guy perspective, um, as, as I know a, a ton of guys like to do with whether it's basketball, Bowman Chrome baseball, contenders football, like I mentioned, I'm just trying to, trying to figure out who's going to be hot, you know, who's the next big thing. Um, and I, I mean, I made a little bit of of money doing that, just buying and holding. But again, I would buy and hold and I would pull out five of the same card, 10 of the same base prism rookie. And it's just, that's just not very interesting to me. That doesn't hold my attention that well. Um, and if anything, it, it, it goes back to my point about having inventory. And when I see inventory start to build, I, I start to get a little bit, a little bit nervous. Um, so after having said all of that, um, knowing that my uh, you know, I'm, I'm an accountant by trade. You are as well. So our, our natural risk aversion is lower than maybe the general public. Um, I, I just I just stick with with the blue chippers. You know, I my, my primary focus is uh, is Jordan, Kobe and LeBron. Um, I, my my idea of prospecting is, you know, buying a Giannis National Treasures rookie auto seven years after his rookie year. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. I'm really going out on a limb with 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 Kawhi and Giannis, I know, but um, but that's that's really kind of my that's my lane. It's it's the the Jordan, the Kobe, LeBron stuff. Um, there's there's enough cards of those guys that I have plenty of options. Uh, I feel like to keep me engaged and enjoying what I'm buying or trading for, or, or you know, if I need to sell something to get something else, I I try not to do that. But if you have to, you have to. Um, but it's just there's there's such a variety of cards for those guys, uh, whether it's the 90s inserts, the, the the glory days of upper deck basketball um, and then 
some of the some of the the new panini sets because I'm, we'll get into a panini discussion discussion I'm sure but um, I'm glass half empty on panini but I will acknowledge when they make some nice some nice sets so I do have some panini cards um, but but it allows me to collect the guys that were ba- that have basically been like the my formative basketball years of starting with with MJ as the the UNC alumni in the 80s and then. Um, him hitting the league and passing the torch to Kobe and Kobe passing the torch to LeBron. And, you know, you add up those years, you're going from 1985 to present day. So that's, that's roughly 25 years worth of, um, worth of 25, geez, 35. Oh my God. Um, that's, <laughs> it's 35 years worth of, um, worth of, you know, kind of basketball history and, and hobby history, uh, between arguably the three most important players during that particular time frame. So, um, just the, the combination of the the variety, um, the pedigree of of those three players, um, and then just the you know the the thrill of the hunt, the thrill of the chase, um, which which has been awesome to see a lot of this this new stuff hitting the market in the past six to eight months that we never thought would see the light of day. That um, that to you know see what it sells for, to have the opportunity to try at least try and buy some of it, try yeah. and trade for it. It's it's just that that's really that's really my focus. Um, and, and the the nice thing about that too is that those those three guys are global. They're you know it's it's an international market. Like if you're collecting Jordan, Kobe, and LeBron, it, you're not collecting a niche market by any means. Um, so it kind of it kind of hedges your bet a little bit against you know a, maybe a a, a broader t- downturn in the card market won't affect values as adversely on those guys as it would um, you know a, a Jason Tatum prism based rookie that shot up inexplicably. 650% when nobody's playing basketball. So, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you're, you're a seasoned collector though. Like, you know, you're collecting those big, the, the big three, really it's, they passed the torch from Jordan to Kobe to LeBron didn't skip a beat really. And, and, you know, I think everybody would love to collect those three guys. And I know a lot of people do uh, from what I'm seeing, you know, a lot of these guys cards, uh, especially the really nice ones, the limited ones, the rare ones, they're very, very expensive now. They're out of reach of most collectors. If you're, a, you know, if you're a new collector coming into the hobby, or a new collector, a new basketball collector, and you know you're a budget collector, how, mm-hmm. what, what advice or what recommendation would you have for somebody like that in terms of what should they be looking for? Like, would you recommend they look at lower end uh, Kobe, LeBron, Jordan cards, or look for other players? Um, I know obviously collect what you like is overriding. I think everybody mm-hmm. likes the best players though. We can probably make that assumption, right. even though, you know, you got your, you got the whole LeBron uh, MJ goat debate. And I'm sure some LeBron people don't want MJs and some MJ people don't want LeBrons. Although I don't know why anyone would take that position, but how would you sort of guide somebody who's just looking to get in and maybe that can't go drop five grand on, on a cup, on a card on each card. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a great question, and I I think that as as you mentioned, there's there's all kinds of of different avenues to go. Um, if it's somebody who wants to get into, I'll call them the modern era, but just the, the Panini era, I think. And again, to Panini's credit, while there's a lot of product on the market, they have some you know inserts, uh, some some numbered parallels that are that are very very nice cards. Um, and you can get those cards of whether it's a rookie or, you know, th- this being Luca's second year, 
um, you know, some some nice second year cards of, of big name guys. Um, and, and we're really starting to see a rise in the popularity of just like those those different inserts and parallels from um, I'll call them mid tier products. So whether it's uh, Don Russ Choice is is a really, really big product in basketball, obviously Don Russ Optic. Um, I, I'd argue that Prism is is arguably the biggest product in the hobby. Again, Prism is gotten to the point it's very, very expensive. But there's there's different options within those products, whether it's from an insert perspective, um, whether it's from an autograph perspective um, of ways for you to new new collectors to to find value. Um, and I think the the value is just trying to find something that that does have a sense of of scarcity that that isn't just a, a run of the mill, you know, like a one and it comes every one in four packs or it's serially numbered to. 2000 or, or something like that. Just, just different, different areas um, where you can say, okay, I, I think this is a really nice looking card. I, I like how this card looks. This, this is interesting to me. And then it gives yeah. you the opportunity to, to search for comparable sales on, on eBay or any other marketplace um, to see if, if that card is on the rise, if it's already risen and it's on its way down, um, if it's remained relatively um, stagnant since release and then from there, you can you can make an informed decision to say, OK, I, I feel like this has room to grow because there's, you know, there's big names in this set. Like, I think it's the the uh, hoops. I want to say it's hoops high voltage this year. I, that's that might be wrong, but it, it, they have the gold finish um, and it, it almost looks like a gold chrome card. But it came out of the, the base hoops product. And that's that's a card that's just kind of skyrocketed in value but but it's skyrocketed because it's a it's a deep checklist it's lebron it's giannis it's luca it's steph it's big name guys and those big name guys can be had for 20 30 40 you know 50 dollars whatever the case might be so it's i i think that's a that's kind of a good example of of the type of card that is out there um that's it, it aesthetically it, it looks great um and it's not going to it's not going to break the bank and in terms of um, a new person or a new collector uh, trying to jump into the hobby. Um, cool. And then I, I would say just from a, from a rookie perspective as well, you know, the, the, the main thing for me is that, you know, you, you see the run up in certain guys like the Luca base prisms, PSA tens, the Zion base prism, PSA tens. Um, those two guys are phenomenal. I mean, they're, they're must, they're much watch, must watch television whenever they're on. Um, so of course the, the hobby is going to naturally, naturally gravitate to them, I guess, just, just be wary or make sure that you understand just a little bit of history about those cards. Because right now I checked the PSA population before we started and there's over 10,000 Luca PSA 10 based prism rookies and Zion is currently just below 5,000 and Zion has been, been out for six months. So yeah. again, it's it's just as important to know what you're buying as just as much as knowing why you're buying it. And FOMO is fear of missing out. That's not a good reason to buy something. So if if something has already taken off this just this meteoric rise in price in a matter of weeks or months or whatever it is, just just make sure you try and understand why that's happened and whether or not you still feel like there's opportunity to um, for growth with. Um, you know, again, whether it's Luca or Zion or whatever player it might be, because as as you mentioned on on some of your other episodes and and earlier, just everything is white hot right now, and we're not we're not playing sports. 
and everything is selling as high as it's ever sold. So it's it's just a it's a bit of it's great, but it's also just kind of you need to make sure that you you take a pause and and, and make sure that you're crossing your T's and dotting your I's before you you take the plunge. Yeah, I think I think I think that's great advice. Really, we have to be sort of uh, cautious as we move forward because the market is so. Uh, inflated right now, and I'm not saying it, it's it's not uh, justified. Um, I mm-hmm. mean, the market is what the market is. But you kind of, I, I wanted to ask you a little bit earlier there. So if you're coming in new and you know you realize, listen, I might have missed the boat on Jordan, LeBron, Kobe, and in terms of their older stuff, their their early stuff, and their the the, the really nice '90s rare '90s inserts and all that, and you had to pick a guy to invest some some money in, and, and I use the word invest, I I mean collect as well. But if you were, if you had to pick one guy to collect between Luca and Zion right now, who would you collect? Luca. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a question. Yeah, I think it's a question a lot of people are asking. I mean, who's the better of the two? You can't afford to maybe go all in on both of these guys. So I think a lot of people might be picking one. You said Luca. I kind of cut you off there, but uh, Luca, hands down to you. Any? Can you kind of? uh, can you explain why? Can you put into words what it is about Luca that you think is a better long-term hold or more exciting collectible to have over Zion? Yeah, I would. I would say that um, the, the reason I go with Luca is a, a few reasons. I I trust leadership and I trust Mark Cuban to be able to give him the resources that that he needs to succeed. I think he's a. I think he's a phenomenal, phenomenal basketball player. I mean, obviously, that's the. I'm not really breaking any ground with that take, but um, just just watching him play, his his game is is not one where he is beating and banging himself into guys every single time down the court like Zion does. And just just knowing that Zion has that that injury history um, and that he his, his game is is domination, is power, and if that's your your style of play then it's going to be inherently more risky than a guy who's just a, a sorcerer, a wizard out on the key and is facilitating other guys, getting everybody involved, um, you know, making sure that his whole team stays fresh. And, and you know, kind of the, the flip side of that is he he doesn't put himself in harm's way as as much as as a guy like Zion would just in the um, in the front court. So I, I would I would definitely say Luca um, again. I, I think that, you know, that the. the the prism rookie base rookies will always carry the day. Uh, but I, I think that there's, there's still value to be had. And some of those, those other sets, whether it's the, um, the, the optics or um, just the, the lower end, I mean, the lower end hoops cards, just to, you know, if, if you can find something in a nice, a nice parallel or a numbered card um, or, or his, some of his second year cards as well. I, I, I always tend to, if, if I do want to buy a young guy, so I, I actually, this, a handful of months ago, I bought a a Luca a Luca Donruss optic gold refractor, or sorry, they're not called refractors, uh, prism gold. <laughs> um, but because I, I wanted a nice Luca card, but I just I just couldn't justify shelling out the kind of money that it would take to buy a rookie year equivalent of something like that. So you know, I I, I often find that there's a lot of value in, in second and third year cards of those rising stars. Um, and I think that's kind of been brought to bear in the Kobe and LeBron markets lately, because we're seeing, you know, obviously the the meteoric rise of, of LeBron rookie prices, but then you're seeing his tops Chrome base, his tops Chrome refractor, Bowman Chrome refractors, tops finest of him and Kobe 
um, just through the through the 2000s have have risen as well. So I think that there's still value buys to be had with buying like the second and third year um, quality cards of of the young guys without having to, you know, spend. I want to say forty thousand dollars on a Luca and TRPA, but that's probably low at this point. So yeah. I, don't, I don't even know. Yeah, you know, you know, I like what you said earlier there about Luca. The way he, you know, he runs up the court. He's not banging into people. You know, I, I draw an equivalent as a hockey fan. Predominantly, I draw an, an equivalent to when we say that the player can see the ice. They kind of mm-hmm. know what's going to happen. It sounds to me like Luca's the kind of player that sees the court. He knows where to be, where to not get himself banged up. And I think that's why that's a great, you know that's where you're bringing value right now to the audience, especially those who are not familiar with basketball as much as you and some other people in that, you know, that's something that we may not have known. It's super easy for all of us collectors to just get caught up in the hype, the hype of Zion, the the hype of Mike Trout, the hype of anybody, Luca, it doesn't matter. You know, it's easy to say, Hey, I guess I need a Mike Trout rookie. I guess I need a Luca rookie, but why do I need them? What's going to keep this player um, important throughout the neck, throughout their career. And uh, what you just said, I think, is really, really interesting that, you know, this is a guy who knows how to keep himself from getting hurt. That's a huge thing for longevity. And longevity means more chances at records and scoring and and championships and all that. So I think that's really interesting. You have me convinced now that if I'm going to put money into whether it's Luca or Zion, it's probably going to be Luca. So thanks for that. Let's go to some more comments and questions from the, everyone viewing. Um, there, we're already now about 20 minutes behind on those guys. I apologize, but Jared wants to know, Justin, what's one of your favorite NBA cards that no one would expect? Can wow. you answer that? Yeah. Uh, that, nobody, that nobody would expect. Um, so I would, I would say, <laughs> so a, a, a dear, dear friend of mine, I, I told him a story that since I live in, in downtown Washington, D.C., um, I live uh, very close to the Capital One Arena where the Wizards play. So oftentimes when I would go out to grab a bite to eat or, you know, just just go out for whatever, uh, there is a there's a wonderful homeless gentleman who thinks I look like one of the uh, Washington Wizards players. And his name is Marcin Gortat. And he would always just yell at me. He'd be like, he'd be like, yo, Gortat, what's up, man? I'm like, <laughs> I'd wave to him. I, I tried explaining to him that I'm not this, this player. I'm not Marcin Gortat. Um, but shaved head, beard, I, I kind of tall. I kind of do look like him. Um, so uh, my, my very good friend has just started calling me, calling me Gortat. And he sent me uh, some Marcin Gortat basketball cards and, and a few other collectors have as, as well, just as, you know, just kind of the, the pay it forward. It's the small things in the hobby. Right. And um, I have a, I have a, a small, but uh, very quality and, and a very prized stack of, of Marcin Gortat basketball cards uh, hey, that, that will, that will never go anywhere. I mean, whatever the reason, you know, that that's, that's a great story. So uh, I found that that's very interesting. And, you know, that, you know, there's all sorts of player collectors out there and there's all sorts of reasons why people collect certain players. Maybe you met them, maybe you feel like I know a certain guy who uh, who is a, a, a shorter goalie. He collects a short goalie. I mean, it just depends, right? Whatever the connection is to to the player it doesn't really matter as long as you're having fun with mm-hmm. it. Um, all right. My buddy Andy says, Jeremy, do you take tiny sips of your water so you don't have to take <laughs> bathroom breaks, Andy? Um, well, to you, Andy, I'll take one right now. But uh that's not why I want to make this one glass last the whole show. And sometimes these shows go long, so I have to take small sips. But uh, thank you. 
Uh, name says college football. Hey, go Ducks. So there's another college football fan. Um, let's see here. Frankie says that's a good approach to prospecting. Wait until they are proven. Yeah. I don't know if that's called prospecting anymore, but it's definitely a little bit more risk averse for guys like, uh, for accountants like Justin. For, yeah. For, for, for chartered accountants. That's exactly right. Yep. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Carvin Chung from, uh, GTS upper, formerly upper deck and, uh, Panini in the house. Carvin, welcome to the show. Carvin was my first guest ever on episode number two back in uh, April. Carvin, if you're still there. Happy to see you as always. Uh, Andy, Justin, are you spending more money now uh, than what you're getting back in from your sales? Interesting question. Um, and, you know, that I'll let you address that, Justin. But, you know, you when I asked you about your collecting, you spoke for quite for the first significant amount of time about, you know, buying collections and and going through them and then getting rid of them and then being overwhelmed, having too much. And then they, they just, you know, you don't have the energy to deal with them um, are, you know, how is that? Where are you right now in terms of that? I think it ties into Andy's question here. Yeah, it's a it's a great question, and um, I think that's that's one of the most common discussions I have with other other friends of mine in the hobby is how do you consolidate? Because it is it's so daunting when you get to that point where you say I have too much, I have to do something about this, and you sit down to try and figure out what you need to do to to get rid of it, to whittle it back. Um, so I would say that I probably, um, I started consolidating maybe three years ago and it was a very, very slow process. You know, there was, there was stuff that I could just ship off for a, for consignment sales that was run of the mill. It was, you know, hundred dollars or less, just, just things that, that were pure bulk inventory that, you know, whatever they sold for, they sold for. Um, but then there was quite a bit of other stuff that, you know, whether it was just a stupid buy on my part and I just wanted to try and minimize the loss, um, if it was stuff that that I felt like was still undervalued, but, you know, I, I wanted to let it go. So I maybe shopped it at a little bit higher of a value than what the market reflected at the at that period of time, um, you know, almost just trying to wait things out. Um, but any, any number of different considerations, I, I mean, that, that took me years and, and it took me years and I didn't even... I mean, I didn't even have that much stuff compared to a bunch of my friends. You know, it was they, they laughed at me. They were like, what are you talking about? You have like two, four rows of cards. I was like, you have no idea how much this is stressing me out right now. So <laughs> it was a it was a long just kind of labor of love, I guess, at least in the end, um, to be able to thoughtfully go through everything and and continue to continue to, you know, make your piles, you know, your keep pile, your baby pile. And then your sell pile and just, you know, the keep stuff usually stays the keep. But if you come back to the maybe pile, you know, every week, every two weeks, and you find that things don't hold their interest like they used to, then it's time to put them to the sell pile. Um, And I just I just went through that process for an extended period of time before um, I finally got to the point where, um, you know, I was I was comfortable. I, I was like, okay, this is. I like this. I'm I'm comfortable with this. And I think so, at pre at, yeah, and at present I would say just to, to kind of close the loop on Andy's question is that I'm I'm down to I think about 80 to 90 cards right now. Um and I would say that um the the money if you looked at it over the course of a year, I would say it's probably fairly even of money going out versus money going in. Um okay. I try not I try not to sell things um unless there's something else that, that I want to, that I've got my eye on. 
Fair um, enough. I think yeah, I think a lot of uh, a lot of people actually operate that way. They've got their they've got the invested capital in there, and what's in there is what's going to be. And if they're going to buy something else, they got to sell something. It's it's hard to keep on putting new money mm-hmm. in if you're an average kind of kind of person. So, um, all right, Carvin says uh, speculate on new rookies in two to three years. So I think and that that makes some sense. Make sure they're going to stick around the league. They're not going to have right. a career ending devastating injury that's going to take them out. That's probably really good advice from Carvin. Appreciate that one. Francisco, I'd recommend them to learn the product <laughs> before making the first purchase. Now, I, you know, that's interesting because I'd like to know from Francisco, what, what do you mean by learn the products? I mean, it's one thing to know what's available, but, you know, to me, if I'm thinking about learning a product, I want to understand its brand equity. I want to know how long the set's been around. Is it going to continue to be around? If it's a one and done, it's easily forgotten down the road, right? I mean, right. like, oh, you know, who you want something that people are going to remember and clamor for, I think, year after year. And we see it in in all the sports, you know, with, with what what are the, the go-to cards? There's all these other kind of uh, tertiary type of cards, but there's still those main ones that you that are the, the ones to have. So um, I think that's an interesting comment. Carvin says, boxes by Prism Retail Cellos. I don't know if that's because Carvin sells them for a living or because that's what he would buy himself. But <laughs> or uh, both. Yeah, or a bit of both. Exactly. Sean Robb in the house. Welcome, Sean. Justin is popular with a gang at Sports Card Forum. Question. Would you agree that a lot, of, a lot of the new basketball demand is coming from Taiwan, the Philippines, and China? Great question. Why don't you take that one, Justin? Yeah, no, it is a great question. And the, the answer is absolutely yes. Um, I, I think that... Uh, just the the rise of different Facebook uh, Facebook collecting groups, uh, the the rise of of Instagram, um, the the rise of as you mentioned earlier, just all the different social content that's available on on YouTube. Um, just I mean the the world is at your fingertips in in the Google machine, and you can find anything. And you know that that includes sports cards as well. Um, I it's it's interesting. I actually. Uh, Last year, I think around February, um, I have a just a kind of an image website that I keep pictures of my cards on that's just more organized than Instagram. It's nicer pictures, just something that's nice to be able to send people a link to a picture if they're interested. Um, but that particular website or that particular photo hosting company, they do a, a remarkable job with all of their um, with all of their picture tagging and all of their search engine optimization. So whenever I search for, you know, something like Kobe exquisite auto, you know, I try and be diligent about adding titles to my pictures, but I I don't do any kind of tagging or SEO on my end. It's just, I give the picture a title and that's it. Well, when you search for, when you search for that in Google, like pictures, my pictures come up from that album. And I actually made a a deal with a gentleman um, because he tracked, he tracked me down. He was just searching for, I think it was, Kobe Jordan autograph or something like that. And he randomly stumbled on my page and, and reached out to me through the, the email that I had. So um, I, I would say that just the connectivity that we're all afforded now um, with, with Instagram, with Facebook, is especially from the international community, as, as you mentioned, Sean, is, is just, it's so, so important. And the, the great thing about Instagram is that it's easy. Yeah. It's, you download an app, um, you know, it, it took my old behind a while to figure out Instagram live, but that's because I'm old. Um, but yeah, you download the app, you upload a picture, you you can add some hashtags, and then you just start following people. 
and it's out have there. similar interests. Yep, similar interests. Whatever the case, whatever your art desires, and and it's out there, and people can find it, and they can find find you, and before you know it, that that network and your internet footprint just just grows astronomically. Yeah. So yeah, I would say that um, the the rise of the the international basketball card market um, from the Asian countries and and from the European countries as well, and it's it's interesting because there's just such different groups of collectors in the different markets. Um, you know, a lot of the European collectors, they, they have guys that they've collected from the nineties and they own, they super collect those guys. They buy one of every single card that that guy ever made. And they're just, it's, it's a remarkable commitment. It's remarkable depth of the collection. And I've, I've had the, the privilege to see some of those in person. And you're just like, wow, this, this is remarkable. Um, yeah. And then the, a lot of the, the Asian collectors, it, they want the, the highest of the high end and, once once it's sold, it's probably not going to turn up again. Yeah. Um, so it's it's one of those things where you have to you have to consider. You know, it's the the number might be nice, but are you okay with never seeing that one again? So yeah, the guy the guy that tracked you down was he over in Asia or was he uh, in in the states? Uh, he was he was in the states. Um, okay. So that was that, that would have yeah, been cool. So that, if he, would have been cool if he found you from somewhere in Asia. That would yeah. No, that no, definitely yeah, definitely. But I, I definitely had with just with the Instagram because I, I pushed back on Instagram forever. Again, the old man shakes fist at cloud was like, I'm not gonna join Instagram. That's that's for the it's kids. For kids, or for the something, kids. Yeah. It's for the, those damn millennials. Um yeah. so I it took me a while. I mean, I, I think my first post was January of twenty seventeen or something like that. I, um, I actually and I actually have your first post, the first card you ever oh posted. I have it teed up and ready to show everybody. We'll do that. We'll do that in a few minutes though. Perfect. You know, and another thing in terms of the intern, you know, just the international nature of the hobby and the collectors, as both of us have been frequenting the national for several several years now, I noticed this past year lots of Asian collectors. And I mean, I can't tell you whether they lived in Chicago, New York, LA, or Asia, because I wasn't necessarily chatting with them. But it seemed to me like there were a lot that did come from international uh, locations. Maybe you can speak a bit better to that in terms of where were they coming? Were there a lot of Asian people from Asia? Not originally, I mean, that lived there still that came over to the national and that come over on an annual basis. Do you know any of these guys? Uh, I do, yes, and I would say that that last year in Chicago was was by far the biggest international presence I've I've ever seen. Um, yeah. It was it was so many people that I've I've talked to and gotten to know through the years on the the different message boards and and again just the the fact that it was in Chicago with Chicago being just a, a world hub. Um, you know, you can get direct direct flights from Beijing, from Shanghai, uh, from Hong Kong. Uh, from from Tokyo, wherever wherever you might be in the world, um, in any of the Asian countries, and and you can be in Chicago with with a single on a, on a nonstop flight, a single flight, um, right. and just just the accessibility of that show, the fact that it's right by the airport, it's about yeah. it's about as low maintenance as you can get from a logistical perspective, and and the fact that it was in um, Chicago was. For, for basketball guys like myself, because we're, you know, we're not quite as small a minority as hockey when, when you go to the shows and you're looking yeah. for your particular sport, but um, basketball is, or, or at least it used to be, um, it, it was the the smallest of the big three, so to speak. So um, with, with it being in Chicago, with all the, you know, the, the MJ love and um, just so many different basketball guys and international guys talking about coming, 
Um, last year was was definitely the biggest international presence I've ever seen from from all over the world and, and definitely Asia. Yeah, you know, it's you mentioned that, you know, uh, basketball being a, maybe a little bit more uh, volume of cards at the shows than hockey. You know, I'm, I go there looking at ho- looking for hockey, but I also look for the other sports as well. And it's it's night and day. There's way more basketball than there is hockey. I'd say it, it's right. getting to the point now at national, especially if you take out all those super, all those guys that are just really pre-war vintage kind of stuff. If you baseball, if you take those guys out and you just look at the the nineteen fifty to twenty twenty type of stuff, it seems like there's as much basketball as there is baseball at the shows now. Uh, you know, just because it's exploded so much lately. But I haven't taken, I haven't gone through and actually recorded the data. But I think that would be um, not too far off. Um, Andy goes on to say Taiwanese love their basketball. Sure, Carvin, who mm-hmm. would know, because he sells in these countries. Says basketball is growing fast in Australia, Singapore, Indonesia, Malaysia. So that's interesting. And I'm, you know, as again, as a predominantly hockey guy, um, I'm a like basketball second, but you know, I'm hoping that hockey can somehow find a way to catch on in some of these countries as well and grow that hobby. And I think we look to basketball for guidance and for hope, even uh, as hockey collectors, uh, myself and a lot of the viewers are. Um, Francisco Luca, hands down versus um, Zion. So another vote for Luca. That's nice mm-hmm. to know. And then Carvin says, for value, I like Trey even more. So Trey Young's another up-and-comer that mm-hmm. maybe, uh, especially with the price point being not quite where Zion is right now, or Luca for that matter. Another comment about Luca. A name says, Luca for me too. His basketball IQ is so strong, multidimensional, does everything. Love watching Zion, but I think his skill is still raw and injury concerns for sure. And, you know, as, as, as a f- name as a fellow hockey collector, so we know that injuries are, are rampant in hockey. Mm-hmm. They can happen on, you know, on any shift. And so we're, we're very sensitive to that, I would say. Uh, Gerald wants to know who wins. <laughs> <laughs> you or Gortat? Uh, I, I think I'll still give the nod to the, the NBA player instead of the, the, one, the one year of JV, uh, JV basketball and college player. But um, I mean, I, I'd, I'd get a couple points on that. Okay, cool. A couple. Hey, that's better than most people would get. Carvin wants to know which player, retired, or current star is most undervalued. Oh boy, in the sports cards market. So that covers a lot of sports, a lot of players. That's a tough question. I mean, I don't have an answer prepared. I don't even know what sport to think in. First of all, does any you know if you want to think in basketball, Justin, for yourself, does anyone pop into mind? Um. Basketball is is tough. It's <laughs> the first thing that honestly comes to mind with with undervalued across all sports is uh, just the the rise of certain of soccer card prices over the last six months. Um, there are there are certain certain players that have just absolutely exploded in value, and they're they're very young guys. They're very prominent guys. Um, they are. Uh, tearing it up for their respective clubs. Uh, one of the guys just, you know, that he plays in the German league and he just came back and I think he had three goals back in his first game. Um, so I think, I feel like those two guys, those handful of guys are kind of carrying the day for the broader soccer market. And yeah. I think that a lot of the other young stars, whether they're English premier league, uh, whether they're the, the Bundesliga in Germany, uh, whether they're the the top tier in France, 
um, whatever the case might be, I, I feel like the just the the, the boom of the, the Jaden Sancho cards and the Killian Mbappe stuff is just going to, um, it's the, the rising tide lifts all boats and people are going to be looking for that next, that next big thing uh, within the, within the soccer market, because soccer market at a, at a price point, you know, a, a box of prism soccer is, I mean, Carvin would know this better than I would, but it still pales in comparison to what a box of prism basketball is. Right. So again, it's, it's, it's value, it's opportunity. And it's, it's a, it's a very, very niche market still, even after all of the growth that we've seen over the past six to eight, eight months. So I, I think that, again, if it's, if it's something you're interested in, or if it's, you know, from a, whether it's a prospecting perspective or, or soccer itself, then it's, it's very much worth looking into because um, I, I feel like, and I think a lot of people do that, that we're just starting to scratch the surface with, uh, with the, the soccer market, which is similar to basketball. It's, 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 it's a global. world, yeah. right. It's the, it's the global game. So yeah, you know, you're, still- you're going to, it's it's like it's still a niche market despite mm-hmm. its global appeal and the the crazy fans that are worldwide for it. it. I think you're probably right. I mean, it's tough to it's tough to pick one athlete out of all the sports who might be the most uh, you know undervalued right now. Something that Carvin, I wish sort of uh, gave us that question a, a day ago so we could have thought about it. But I do like your answer, Justin. That soccer might be where the most future value uh, opportunities are right now. Okay, let's keep going here. Billy says, Jeremy just got on. I'm a believer. Jaw has a ceiling higher than Zion. What are your thoughts, Billy? I'm not qualified to, to think that. I don't watch. I haven't seen these guys play. I've only seen Zion briefly play. Justin, do you think that, what do you think? Do you think Jaw has a higher ceiling than Zion? Uh, I think it, it's hard to say. I, I guess when you say, when we talk about a, a higher ceiling in terms of his, his overall impact on the, the game itself, Um, I think he, I think he could, um, you know, I don't, he could, he could be a Dwayne Wade type. I mean, he is just, he's explosive. He understands how to, to speed up and slow down when, when it's needed. Um, He's developing an outside game. Uh, I guess the, the thing with, the thing with, um, with Jaw is that we've started to see some, some breakthrough with uh, superstar players in kind of mid-market teams is in, Giannis kind of led the way from that perspective. Um, but the, the broader hobby in general is still kind of reluctant to give um, a lot of the mid-market teams the, the mega push like Giannis got until he became, you know, one of the best basketball players in the world. Um, so I, I think from actually, you know, from a, a value perspective, seeing what Zion stuff is selling for as it compares to, uh, to jaw cards that they're, there's opportunity uh, with with Jaw as well, but um, again, the it, 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 as long as Zion stays healthy, I mean, there there's no stopping the stopping the Zion hype train, and that's the biggest. That's obviously the biggest if his health. But when right. when he's healthy, it's just it, it's going to keep on just keep on cranking. Yeah, and and Billy Billy Celio is a product manager at Upper Deck currently. Um, and Billy, I think you should probably be worrying more about hockey than basketball right now. So please stay focused. Uh, Charles wants to know, uh, and, and you may never have dealt with this, Justin, because you collect LeBron, Kobe and Jordan. But have you ever dealt with a market crash on a player that you've had a lot of cards of? And what have you done in that circumstance? Uh, it's it's a great question. Um, I've never I have never prospected to the degree of, of putting just 
tons and tons of tons of money into a single guy. And then unfortunately it didn't pan out. Um, however, I mean, I, to this day, I still have two exquisite rookie patch autographs of, uh, a guy named Raymond Felton and he was a point guard at UNC Chapel Hill. He led us. Yes. I'm, I'm saying us, uh, to a national championship in 2004, 2005. So I bought a few of his, his, his biggest cards, his exquisite rookie patch autos, um, when they were at their peak of about, I think $800 a piece. And I still have both and I could maybe get a hundred dollars for them now. So in, in an instance like that, um, you know, for me, it's, it's, I, I kind of keep them around as a reminder to just, you know, yeah. stay in my lane. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, but, if nothing but, else, that's the best thing. Right. Keep them to remind yourself to not make that mistake again and to be mm -hmm. a little bit more diligent and careful with who you're pouring uh, all your collection, your collection, your, your collecting budget into, I think. So good, good yeah, advice there. Right. And I don't think that there's nothing wrong with, with, taking a loss if you're you're just done with it you know it's it, it you got to swallow the pride and just kind of suck it up and do it but at the same time if if you think that that money is better served elsewhere and just the the ship has sailed on whatever player or set that that you bought then just roll roll it forward you know that thankfully you still you still have some of that money um so you can just you can just put it put it back into play and 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 go from there that you know that that goes for any business, uh, not just not that collecting is business, although it is somewhat. But that goes for any inventory in any business. You have stale inventory, you got to move it, convert it to cash. If you've never watched the on CNBC the show The Profit with Marcus Lemonis, he's the he's he's notorious for for having his uh, his partners sell inventory if it's dead, convert it to whatever cash you can, reinvest that into something new, and flip that sell that to make money. And now you're going to be back to where you would have otherwise been if that player's cards didn't even go down in value. All right, let's go on mm -hmm. to Carvin had a part two to his question. It's long. It's a long question. So I'll summarize it for you, Justin. But he's basically asking, what player do you feel will be the next darling of the hobby, you know, after the rise of all the superstars in all sports? Anybody in basketball for you that you think is primed to become the next? Uh, and uh, we can't count a guy like Zion. But a guy who's the next guy, like the next hobby darling, like the way Luca is, if there is one ready to come out. Um, I, I mean, I, I think if I think if there is to be the next torchbearer, like but, but whenever LeBron retires, um, I I think it's Giannis. Again, I'm not <laughs> I'm not good trying to say that you know Giannis is a great player and uh, take that take for myself. You know, this is. Everybody knows this. He is a phenomenal, phenomenal basketball player. Um, but I, I just think his unique combination of the the athleticism, uh, just kind of his body control that he has, where it's just he he's just one of those kind of transcendent type players who can he can do things on the court that you just sit back and go, that's you know, that's not normal. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, you know, a lot of Giannis stuff is already very, very, very expensive. So it, it kind of goes back of our our discussion earlier of earlier of where you can where you can find value, um, but I think some of his you know his second and third year on card autographs are good buys. Okay. Um, I think that that again just sticking with some of his uh, maybe not second year because those are pretty pricey too, but third and fourth year uh, prism parallels and maybe you know maybe even beyond that just the the prism prism silvers 
um, some of the the other ones that ones I think the blues numbered at 199 or just just some of the the basic stuff that you know sells consistently well for all players um, across Every year. across the board. Yep, yeah, that's exactly right. You know what it and reminds then, me of? So let me just jump in. It reminds me sure. of the the PSA set registry where a lot of people are collecting a certain player, whether 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 it's Will Chamberlain or Michael Jordan or Julius Irving, Magic Johnson, any player, any sport, Hall of Famer, where they're trying to get all of that player's cards. I think the modern version of that is saying, hey, I want the prism silver of this player every year that they play. And I think mm -hmm. that sort of attitude and that sort of direction will keep those non-rookie year prism silvers or whatever prism um, you know, interesting and valuable and in demand. And therefore, you know, they're, 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 the value will maintain, I think, because of that particular reason, or that's at least sort of the parallel that, that I see. Um, Barry says, you know, he thinks it's either Giannis or Luca. And I, I think he's right in terms of the torch, but in terms of the next hobby darling, I, I'm not sure if that's the same thing or if these guys are already hobby darlings and who's the next one. So passing the torch, I'm with you. It's it's going to yeah. be a Giannis, a Luca, maybe even a Zion, if he's going to um, be this Superman type of player, like this beast that he seems to be, this power forward who can just bust through anybody and score. Um, but in terms of who's up and coming that isn't necessarily on the radar yet, I'm not sure who that might be. Uh, Jay here says that I think I bought a Michael Jordan chronology canvas auto <laughs> from Justin nine years ago. Can, Can you, I, I, I would, yeah, I would love to buy that back at, at 125% of what I sold it to you for nine years ago. So consider, consider that a standing offer. Um, <laughs> no, that the, the chronology canvas, um, autograph set, I don't, um, Jeremy, I don't know how familiar you are with those, but it's just that the iconic imagery of, um, MJ six. Yeah. MJ 63 point game, the MJ dunk contest picture, the Kobe 81 point game, um, Dave, I think David Robinson's, uh, what did he have? 80 points or 79 or something like that. But just, just these beautiful, beautiful can. Oh, that's right. They have chronology and, and hockey too. I, I, I was, completely forgot about that. I was yep. just going to say they did chronology last year in hockey and I believe they're coming out with a part two pretty soon. So yeah, certainly aware of it. Not only that, I w went looking at your Instagram feed and I've seen, I saw some beautiful chronology cards in there. I don't know if you still have them, but I definitely saw mm -hmm. them there. So yeah. I'm certainly uh, certainly aware of chronology, and um, so hey, there you go. If uh, Jay, if you want to sell that back to Justin for 125 percent of what you bought it from him for, it's a standing it's offer. A yep. Standing offer, and uh, and I might I might try and jump in and snake it at 150 percent. But okay, yeah. um, there we go. So uh, this gentleman, cardboard nostalgia Billy, he he has a good question for you, Justin. What is your opinion on the free for all nature of retail boxes being available in NBA, MLB? Do you think it's wrong to buy a store's complete stock, for example? <laughs> I mean, oh, you don't you don't, bust, you don't bust a lot of wax. You're not a product buster. You're a, you're more of a, a sharpshooter. I like to call it. someone who goes after the singles. Are you even are you keeping up with what's going on in terms of the retail scene? Uh, I I am. Yeah, it's it it's fascinating to to just keep tabs on that in the in the Facebook groups and the um, just on Instagram and. Um, I will fully admit when I went back home uh, over Christmas break last year, um, that was that was the peak of of Zion Prism mania. You know, everybody going to their local targets, their local Walmarts, buying blasters, cellos, hangers, the mega boxes, what, whatever all that stuff was that was available in retail. 
Um, and I kind of poo-pooed it. I was like, oh, this is this is crazy. I don't know why people are doing this. And I checked my local Walmart when I got home, and they they had a lot. Yeah. And I bought a lot. Um, I I did save some, but the amount that I saved was probably just so I didn't have it an entirely guilty conscience because I pretty much bought it all. Um, so I I can understand and and I ripped it. I just I wanted to I just wanted to open it and have some fun with it. And I mean, <laughs> I, as my mom can attest, I I pulled a Zion Silver, I pulled a Zion Base Rookie, I pulled a John like I and I still have most of it. So again, just it, it was just dumb luck on my part. But I opened it. I had fun with it. I just wanted to see what all the hype and hysteria was about. Um, so I, you know, hand up, I got caught in the, in the madness. Um, I do think it's a bit of an, an ethical dilemma, um, whether or not you should buy it all um, versus leaving some for other people. I guess the, I think the one universal truth we can all agree on is um, I think it was, uh, there was a, a particular uh Facebook member of a of a of a card group and I think that particular person either worked for the distri distribution company or they had a buddy who tipped them off and the, the product wouldn't even make it to the shelves before it was completely gone and then he would come back and sell it on his Facebook groups and I mean this guy had plastic racks like eight feet high of, of blasters and megas and cellos and just all of this stuff and so it's people it, it wasn't even making it to market you know, in that instance, right. people didn't even have a chance to buy it. Um, you know, it's if it if it's out for public consumption at, at the store and, and you get lucky and you can grab it all. I I get why people are upset by that, but I don't I don't hate it. Um, yeah. I, I'm not I'm not going to I'm not going to judge somebody or cast aspersions because that's what they did. Um, you know, whether it's it's similar with, you know, whether it's like a, a popular toy release or a shoe release or whatever the case might be. Um, if it's, if it's open season and ever, and it's, and again, this is some making some assumptions, but if it's open season and, you know, it's, it's available for public consumption, then I, yeah. I tend to go kind of the free, the free market route, but, but I, I can completely understand why, why people get frustrated because it, yeah. I mean, I mean, hell, I looked at a couple other stores on the way down to, to visit my folks and I didn't see any. So I was like, you know, I was. I was cussing under my breath the same way that, that a lot of us do when they can't get this stuff. So it's, uh, I understand the frustrations, but I, I'm not, I don't hold it against anybody that, yeah. that buys it all. I mean, it, it is, it is a, you know, free market. If they're putting it out there and they want to sell it and you want to buy it and you're there at the right time. I don't think it's, I don't think we have an obligation to leave any behind for other people. I, I personally don't go in and buy it all, but I don't think I don't think there's an ethical reason why we should leave some behind if it's all there. I'd rather see the store implement a maximum mm -hmm. amount you're allowed to buy and just do that versus, um, you know, having to make people people feel guilty for buying it all. But at the same time, I, I and the reason I say I, it's just not it's not illegal. It's not an right. it's not illegal. Is it morally unethical? I think there's an argument for that both ways. But where I see the real problem is that. The, the collector can't get the product and that might chase them away from the hobby altogether. It's like, this, right. thing, this is just no fun. I can't get what I want. And when I want it, I got to pay double or triple because these guys went and snaked it all from the local Walmart or Target. So I think that's the problem is that it could really disenchant people with the hobby altogether. 
Um, Carvin goes on to say, uh, he just said the magic word exquisite. Well, I don't know if you're aware, you probably know. <laughs> oh, I, oh, I am. Carvin I'll say the magic, I'll say the magic word a lot more times later on too. Oh, don't, yeah. yeah. Anyone does know, Car Carvin worked for uh, Upper Deck and really was the inventor of Exquisite and the cup for hockey. So um, really two iconic sets that everybody's aware of. Um, Aaron wants to say Luca is a lot like uh, PG-13 and MJ, just wants to play the whole game and win. I mean, hey, if you're I love that competitive nature in players. Barry says, could you see or would you like to see Panini buy Upper Deck and revive the exquisite brand <laughs> in ba basketball cards and their amazing resources? <laughs> huh. You know, well, let's not spend much time on this one because I don't think it's going to happen. But, um, but you know, uh, would you like to see that just for the sake of discussion? Well, and I guess it, it kind of bridges the, the gap as well to something that, that we, we mentioned uh, previously or, or, or before the session this evening was just kind of what it is to me that, that sticks out about hockey as, a, as not a, a non-hockey guy. You know, what do I know about hockey or what, a, what catches my eye about hockey um, as, a, as a primarily basketball collector? And the main thing is it's upper deck. I mean, to see the just the the quality of the product, the upper deck products that um, they continue to release in hockey, their willingness to continually continually push the envelope uh, from a design perspective, from a product perspective, uh, from a, a release perspective, and, and just and just innovate. You know, you I, you mentioned the cup, which is the exquisite equivalent, and it's just you know it. You're keeping the emblems of endorsement alive, the limited logos alive. Obviously, the the cup RPAs are just the um, the, the cream of the crop. Um, Connor McDavid, not Connor McGregor, not um, McGregor, it, exactly. Um, it, so you know, you, you you just see the upper deck legacy alive and and well within those hockey products and, and just the the remarkable work that they do. And I mean. I'll, I'll admit, you know, I, I, we definitely have the benefit of hindsight when we look back on upper deck basketball um, and, and specifically exquisite basketball, uh, just just given kind of the current landscape of the hobby. Um, but at the time, you know, certain exquisite uh, products, subsets, they, they weren't well received. People thought they were ugly. They didn't like them, whatever the case might be. But every single year of exquisite, you could put a limited logos from each year side by side. You could put an emblems of endorsement side by side, whatever you could put a base card side by side. Everything looked different and everything was unique. And that's my biggest gripe with Panini right now is that everything looks the same. So whether it's immaculate basketball or flawless basketball, national treasures, um, you know, so Justin, the, is yep. it fair? Is it fair to say then that you'd almost prefer Upper Deck to buy out Panini, <laughs> and 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 I mean that would sprinkle, sprinkle their design through uh, Panini's brands. That would that would be ideal. Or if if Carvin wants another another day job to add to the resume of things keeping him busy right now, maybe he can he can start sketching up some or doing some mockups yeah. for him. But consulting um, consulting for Panini yeah. on the side. Yeah. yeah, some consulting work, but it's just the it's just Panini's unwillingness to to take design risks. And and again, you know, we're we're the internet, we're the we're the card collecting community. We're going to find something to dislike, but I think at the end of the day, if, if it shows that you care and you're trying by 
experimenting and just pushing the envelope with the product offerings that you make available to your customers. Yeah. And, you know, with with the, all the unique and interesting inserts of the 90s that have, you know, been really, really on fire for a few years now, you might think that Panini would look to them for some design uh, ideas or, you know, because they are unique and different and they are not what you see these days in more in the mainstream cards. Um, I don't think at least for myself. Um, speaking of Carvin back there, he has a question for you. Um, if you have the number one pick in the next five years, who's your number one pick? And uh, you can read out these names. I don't know how to say them. Imani Bates, Bronny James, Mikey Williams, Elijah Fisher, or someone else. Do you have anyone there that you think is the next up and coming rookie? Oh God! Uh, I... <laughs> pick one. That, pick, pick one, Justin. Well, Run all right, out of yeah, all those names. Yeah, I'll go. I'll, I'll go with LeBron's son. Why not? Sure, I'll go with Good. the pedigree. Yeah, yeah. I mean, no, he's, it's, it, that's, he's, that's he's, definitely got some, he's definitely got some advantages. Uh, that's for sure, as well as some experience. You see it a lot of you, like look at Steph Curry. I mean, he grew up in a bas- on a basketball court in the basketball uh, arenas with professionals and became one of the best shooters of all time like i think i think there's um more there should be more said about these guys who are uh who are coming from from really stacked bloodlines like this guy is i think that's probably who i'd go with without knowing much about these other players i mean mm-hmm. yeah and anyway, let's keep going carvin says prism 2018 hobby is at 1500 a box now it jumped already that's uh that's pretty big. Um, and he may be talking about soccer there. I'm not sure because he goes on to see, yeah, 2018 yeah. World Cup hobby. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Andy can't even believe it. He says, Jesus. Um <laughs> tons of money is relative, of course. It all depends on on where you are and how much you have yourself. Uh Amit says Anton Jameson is a guy <laughs> I have on for some reason. Hey, Less than learn. Know- yeah, as a, as a Carolina guy, a- Anton is one of the best the best players that ever put on a, a Tar Heel uniform. So I, I'll, I'll always love Anton. But but yeah, it, well, and the crazy thing was he had some he had some remarkable years in the league in the in the late '90s, early 2000s. But but yeah, uh, that that was the time when he was he was too big to be a forward and too small to be a center, and nobody really knew what to do with those guys. And yeah, for Poor, poor Anton. He he came at the wrong time for uh, to get any any kind of hobby love. Right on. Yeah. Paul says, uh, "LOL, new show idea: sports card regrets." Yeah, that could definitely be a good topic for uh, for many episodes of of any show. I mean, we we all have our our regrets for sure. Charles says, "Do you think, due to the high production numbers of modern basketball, it will have a junk wax era itself? Are we in somewhat of a junk wax era right now?" And I find that hard to use the term junk wax. Because to me, junk means cheap. Meanwhile, today's wax is is anything but cheap, especially this, you know, the the prism type of stuff. What's what are your thoughts on that? And this, you know, this kind of fast forwards us a little bit to kind of the state of the hobby type of discussion. But why don't you why don't you hit that one for a minute, Justin? Yeah, I think it's it's a it's a great question, and I would say that I don't think we're I don't think we're there yet. I think the I think the stability of uh, or, or I shouldn't say stability is the wrong word, but just the strength of the rookie classes that we've had uh, with Luca and then with with Zion and Trey, or excuse me, Zion and Ja, um, have really have, have supported uh, the, some some of the pricing levels. That's not to say that I agree with the pricing levels, but I don't necessarily think that um, 
the 1819 and, and kind of in 1920 products uh, have have hit that level of of junk wax yet. I think once once Panini loses their their big name anchors again, unless somebody unless Lamelo Ball comes along and just blows everybody's faces off, or somebody comes out of out of nowhere and is just this ultra megastar, there's really there there isn't the the hype of a of a Ja or a Luca um, on the horizon, so to speak. Uh, that at least to me can support continued like price points of where um, some of the the 1819 and 1920 wax is currently selling. Yeah, so and that, I, I, I would say yeah, I would say for now we're okay, but once we we finally roll out of the the tray and Zion product life cycle, that's when it'll be a real test of are are people going to pay. Four hundred dollars for a box of hoops with good, not great. Right. I I I think that we're maybe in a different time. It is a different time, obviously, than the early '90s. But the hobby's in a different place, such that I mean, number one, the internet's been added to our lives. eBay's been added to our lives. Global markets have been added to our lives, and the international nature of cards, especially basketball has been added to the hobby. So I think that uh, to be junk wax, you need to be, the conditions are just so much different right now than they were in the early nineties that I think it's, you know, it's a matter of time to find out where it's hard to say right now, because I don't know that we can actually quantify how big the market is today versus how many cards are being produced. The person best to actually respond to that might be Carvin, who is likely out there still watching. But anyway, let's move on um, to this, this comment by Aaron. Uh, he's speaking back to Charles, you know, it's all relative breaking packs at these prices makes no investment sense. It's just like playing daily sports, uh, daily fantasy sports on DraftKings when you're not a fish. And you know what? I mean, I think that's one of the biggest reasons why we're seeing the growth we've seen really in the past three months is because people aren't able to play daily fantasy sports or DraftKings or any sports gambling, you know, through Vegas sports books or you know your local bookie. You you have mm-hmm. all. The, you, if you're a gambler and you're used to losing, which most gamblers are likely used to losing, you have all this money kind of waiting to do something with. And sports cards are another form of gambling if you're going to be opening up packs, right? So, I I, I like that comment a lot, Aaron. Um, and I like your next one too. I got to say, hit the like button for these guys. Yes, please do. Um, I haven't mentioned a while. Please subscribe to the YouTube channel, guys, if you haven't yet. Definitely appreciate that. Um. Amit says capitalism wins. I think that's back to the discussion about going into and buying yeah. out all the product. I think it certainly does. Uh, Rich Barone, good evening, Richie. You know, we call Rich. Rich is a, na- is a national veteran um, and somebody who uh, we call the mayor of Canada, which doesn't make sense, except if you met him, you might understand it. Richie, welcome to the show. That works. Why would you take risks when you are printing cash? I mean, no, that's I- it, right? <laughs> That's a good point, Amit. Good point. Yeah. And again, that's that's the. You're exactly right. There's there's no reason to change when when you're just you have a money tree and you just keep working. You pour money on the or you pour water on the money tree. You feed the money tree. You talk gently to the money tree. You nurture the money tree, and then you you just you just collect the collect the bounty. So again, I think the twenty the twenty twenty one product cycle will really be kind of the. The, the true test of the a, a lot of the the strength of the panini brands within the market because yeah. you, national treasures first off the line basketball 
releases, I think it's tomorrow, it goes live at either 11 Eastern or 10 Eastern. And the starting price or the opening price for a box of a single box is $30,000. Now, again, this is a, it's the reverse Dutch auction or whatever they call it. But One the sec, floor, Justin, before yeah. you get into this, because uh, a few comments ahead, I'm going to skip ahead here. I just want to okay. bring this in just to give you a little bit more uh, context uh, to how you, you speak about the first off the line. Ziggy, welcome to the show tonight. <laughs> Ziggy says thoughts on first off the lo- off the line NT starting at thirty thousand dollars with a seventy five hundred dollar floor. Remember when first off the line was SRP prices and NT was seven fifty a box. So I want to just put that up there to give you something else to speak to about mm-hmm. this. You were just kind of going there naturally, so please do continue. No, and, and Ziggy's absolutely right. It's the the lowest that this the lowest price at least in this auction that a box will will be sold for is $7,500. And that's 10 times more than what it was last year. So wow. it, 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 it blows my mind. It, it, people will pay that. People will absolutely pay that because again, to your, um, to the point early about, about capitalism, to the point that people, you know, they're, they're not betting on sports. They have a, a nest day or the, a, a bit of savings saved up for a, a, like a family vacation that they just didn't take because it got canceled. Um, so there's a little bit more money freed up there. It's just the the market the market hasn't shown any signs of of budging of giving. And I it I will be along with a lot of other people will be watching this the auctions very closely tomorrow to see where these things first start to sell. Um, I, I I don't know. I, I just I can't begin to guess what the single boxes are going to sell for. And I guess that one of the, one of the crazy things today was that Panini released the, the checklist for national treasures. And I gave it a quick pass because I was interested to see if there'd be any, any Kobe autographs that, that were left over that he might've signed before his passing for national treasures. And when I looked at the checklist, you know, I keyword search for Kobe and I got zero results. There were no results, not for Kobe autos, but for Kobe base, for Kobe jerseys, mm-hmm. for Kobe inserts, whatever. Like, that's weird. So I went back to, I think Impeccable was the most recent release, either Impeccable or Mosaic, and did the same thing. I downloaded the checklist. I keyword searched for Kobe. There's no results. There's no autos, no inserts, no parallels, no nothing. So I, I started talking to a friend about it. I was like, what, what's going on with this? And and couple friends made points. And then my, my buddy, Andy, he was like, I wonder if Panini, or at least their exclusive contract that they had between Panini and Kobe, if the language in that contract did not contemplate what happens if Kobe dies, like, can you right. use his likeness in his passing? And so I went back through some of the other checklists, like I said, for Mosaic, I think it was National Treasures, Mosaic, Select, and Select came out, I think, March 4th. Um, impeccable, and uh, there was one more, and, and I think that's the case. Um, is that just Panini likely doesn't have terms, or, or at least at present, they don't have a license to use Kobe's image after his passing. And the lack of Kobe cards in this National Treasures product just will make it even more of just a ridiculous feast or famine because even. Just the prospect of chasing like a Kobe logo man auto or like a Kobe colossal prime patch auto number to 10. That's enough for people to take the chance at these ridiculous prices because it, it just it just adds another 
value opportunity along with Zion and Ja and some of the other, you know, the, the big polls. But in the especially with, no, especially with no MJ, I mean, yeah, yep. right. Like it's not even like we can hope for Michael Jordan. It's like in hockey, a product doesn't have Wayne Gretzky. That's a big hit to any mm-hmm. and every product. So I see that now when your second best or one, one of, you know, your one of your two of the top three guys, the second of the top three guys is not available. That's another hit to the product. I certainly, certainly hear that. Let's keep going though, man. Let's keep on moving here. Sure. Going through, we got lots of comments. Uh, I want to try to address all of them if we can. Jason says Panini should check out some custom car designs. Some out there are pretty amazing. I mean, that even speaks to this project 2020 that Tops has on the go right now with some really interesting art cards that I think are, some are beautiful, some are horrendous, but uh, there's something for everybody there. That's for sure. Francisco says LaMelo Ball is the pick. Uh, so there, there's a, there's someone there. Okay. Um, here's a que- another sh- question from Sean. Do you think that 96-97 Topps Chrome Basketball and 97-98 Metal Universe sets are likely con- to continue in price over the next few years? And for anyone watching, I, even I know this, these are a couple landmark sets. I mean, I think 96-97 Topps Chrome is important because it has some key rookie cards in it. You'd know better than I do which ones, but it it's is it like Kobe and Kevin Garnett or who who are the big rookies in that year that make it certain sort a landmark set? And then please answer the question as well. Yeah, so it'd be Kobe is Kobe is definitely the uh, definitely the main one, and then I think who else is in there? Steve Nash is in there. Ray Allen, AI. So that's a that's a tremendous rookie class, and that was the I believe that was the first release of Topps Chrome. So that and, and not only was it the first release of Topps Chrome, but um, it, it's not it's not like your Chrome products of the two thousands or your Prism products of today. Um, you, you had a, a chrome base and you had a chrome refractor and that was it. And the, the chrome base set from a player perspective was hundreds of players and the odds of pulling one of those refractors were very, very tough. So, so there was, it, there was no like Panda spot or Panda spot parallel or anything like that. No, <laughs> they, uh, Tops Chrome never, never hit on the tiger stripes. I'm trying to think of the, the craziest one that they ever had, but. But but um, 96, 97 was the first year of Topps Chrome. Is that is that for sure? Yeah. See, and to me, that's really important. I think it, that also would then speak to 2012 Prism Basketball being the first year of that. We're seeing crazy mm-hmm. numbers for the Prism Silvers of all the Hall of Famers, all, all the key players there. I mean, they're, not, they're far from rookie cards, but they're selling for huge money. Um, okay. So actually let's not go, let's move on. Let's not move on yet. What do you think about these sets? Do you think they, that, do you think there's room for these, the cards from these sets to continue to increase in value over the next few years? Uh, I think, I think so, especially for 96, 97, uh, Chrome, just because it's, it's such an important set in just kind of the, the history and the evolution of the, of the basketball card hobby. Um, I think I do certainly think the, that Metal Universe will continue to hold its popularity. Um, I guess the, the thing with with Metal Universe is that um, it, at least the, the base set kind of comes and goes as the price of the MJ base comes and goes. So, yeah. you know, we saw just a, a stratospheric rise in the price of just the MJ base Metal Universe card from 97, 98. Um, in the run-up to, and then partially through the, um, the the recent MJ documentary, and then that has slowed down significantly. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that the the popularity of of ninety seven ninety eight Metal Universe, at least from a kind of a base perspective, um, is is forever linked linked to the strength of the MJ. 
Um, but but again, it's it's Jordan and it's it's an iconic set. And and again, if if you've never for your viewers, if you've never seen or, or held uh, a 97, 98 metal universe, just a base card. I mean, these these base cards are the most detailed and thoughtful cards I, I've ever seen in any set, let alone for a base set. So they're they're remarkable. I mean, they're they're cardboard works of art. Um, and, and you know, people will gravitate towards that kind of quality craftsmanship. And yeah, um, I, I, I do yeah. think there's a case. Okay, cool. You know, they certainly are beautiful. I agree. And I like you were saying how the value is going to be linked to that Jordan, the Jordan base card, which I believe the Jordan base card is linked to the value of the PMG parallels, the green and the red. And as that green card sold last year um, at, on eBay at auction for $350,000, that kicked off quite a big spark in the hobby overall for basketball and 90s inserts and all that. And it trickled down to the red parallel, which didn't have to trickle far. But all the way down to the base card, which I mean, I I know I can speak from experience on that base card. I at the Chicago National last year, I bought the Jordan base card in a PSA nine holder for one hundred and ninety dollars, mm-hmm. and you know, within before the you know back in uh, I guess April, the card was selling for like as high as twelve or thirteen hundred dollars, and now it's settled back down to that six, seven, eight hundred dollar mark. So it really spiked, but now it's settled back down, but it's still higher than where it was you know, a few months ago. So um, I, I, I think that's a great point. You know, uh, you got someone once told me that um, at a show, a customer at a show, but a guy who, you know, he's a dealer, he came up and he said to me, you know, I don't hold anything for very long. I'm always bur- churning my inventory. He said he he gauges the he gauges the health of this whole market, the whole sports card market on how well the 86 Fleer Michael Jordan rookie is selling in a PSA 10. That to him tells him how the hobby is doing overall. Not just one guy and one guy's theory, but it stuck with me. I remembered it. And I'm not saying I, I haven't made it my theory, but I certainly understand. Mm-hmm. It. I think it's an interesting way to look at things. Barry says, ideally, Upper Deck would get their NBA license back, especially with Jordan and LeBron under exclusive contracts. We are in a world of sports card monopoly, and it likely won't change. I mean, I think we all hope it does, but he could be right that it doesn't change. Patty says, do you think the market will crash when COVID is done and everyone is back to their normal day to day? I mean, that's a really interesting question. I don't think anyone knows the answer to because going into COVID, everyone thought the market was going to tank and it did the exact opposite. So who knows what it's going to do? I, For me, I always say whatever I think is going to happen, the opposite will happen. So I'm just saying right. I don't know here because I have no idea. You want to take 20 seconds yeah. after that one? Sure. No, I, I don't. I don't think it'll crash at all. I mean, I, I think that I think that we're starting to kind of um, at least with the Michael Jordan stuff, we are seeing some some corrections, some a little bit coming back to earth, so to speak, in, in certain areas. But then in other areas, you know, if it's the the, the premium cards or the premium grades um, still continue to sell very well, LeBron stuff is just through the roof right now. Um, some of the the hobby veterans like Tim Duncan are finally starting to get some, get some love and they've ticked up as well. So I think, I think overall things are, are very, very strong right now. I guess my, my main concern is that we're growing prices are increasing too fast. Um, but I don't necessarily think that a correction to kind of broader market pricing would, would be a result of a crash. I think yeah. it would just be kind of a natural correction. Right. And you know what my thoughts just to continue are that, um, with basketball now slated to start up again, I believe at the end of July or mm-hmm. so, 
that yep. you're going to you're going to see renewed interest in some of the players who are going to go on and play in the championship and whoever wins um but i think that right now it seems like everything is hot and everything is selling at record prices you know vintage veterans um you know re- retired players all that everyone is selling super high and i think that perhaps what can happen is you know injuries start happening again a player doesn't meet his potential a team doesn't a team who's expected to win doesn't win and you could see some of these uh players who right now everybody's doing well i think we might get back to the normal where not everybody is super hot and the players who are hot on the court are hot in the hobby and those who aren't aren't i mean it's just Mm -hmm. the way it works right but i always find that the time that players are the most that they're selling for the most is is based on anticipation and the excitement of a season about to start that's when there's everybody is on a level playing field, just like we are right now. So, okay, mm-hmm. let's keep going. Francisco says, uh, NT, pay 12K a box, pull a Jordan Boone auto. Can't wait. Yeah, not every box it's- is going to be a winner. That's for sure. Let's see what yep. Ziggy says here. Ziggy says, in 2017, the big deal about first off the line was access at SRP. The extras weren't important. Today, Panini is suggesting 7,500 a box. What, what has happened? Is it Panini? Is it distributors who holds NT and drives up the market? I don't know the answer to that. Who is responsible for these prices? Is it is Panini collecting all this money or is it distributors? Um, do you know the answer? I mean, I, I, I do not know definitively, but I, I think the purpose of Panini selling this product direct was that they just they just saw that they were missing out on this this enhanced revenue opportunity because they would. They would sell to the distributor at, at whatever, make their 15 to 20 percent or whatever their margins are. I, I can't begin to guess, but we'll, we'll just make assumptions. Sure. Um, the distributor would sell to the local card shop or whatever their margins were. And then the local card shop, for better or for worse, was stuck at that at that SRP, you know, times or plus 50 percent or whatever that whatever that cost of, of the product is. And when they struck it big, they struck it huge. And when they got screwed they they were the left or the ones left holding the holding the ball so uh, it i definitely think this is panini saying hey we're not we can we know we can make this money so we're going to make this money and sorry middlemen but we're we're going to cut y'all out and capitalism wins again all right i think that's mm-hmm. well said um <clears throat> richie says justin do you feel that the companies listen to collectors ideas on design or are they set in their own ways can you Take that one on. Uh, on design, I I would probably say no on design. I mean, I I feel like I, Panini seems to have a pretty black and white playbook now, where you can guess with eighty percent certainty what certain products or what a lot of the products are going to look like. Um, so yeah, unfortunately, I feel like the the design tweaks that come or are, are just small minor tweaks and they're not looking to solicit feedback from anybody. I guess the, the one thing that I know when they, excuse me, when they were actually um, engaging with collectors a bit more, I remember back in, I think it was the 2015 national maybe, or maybe 14 or 16, but anyway, a while back Panini held kind of like a town hall and one of the questions somebody raised was, um, can y'all give us a patch database? So can you give us just something that you keep a log of 
to say, and it doesn't have to be for everything because at the time, again, five years ago, at the time that would be impractical and expensive. Um, and and the, the hobby didn't want that. They didn't want everything. They just wanted, you know, key, key sets, key players, just because the, the patch swapping was starting to become a, a pretty serious issue with Panini products. They said, yeah, we're working on it. Well, we're, it's 2020 now. We have nothing. There's any number of way of ways to do, you know, high speed photo scanning um, at a much smaller cost than it used to be. Or, you know what, just hire a couple interns and start taking pictures. Um, yeah. But it's it it's yeah. still like I, I think that that's the, the biggest thing that kind of sticks in my craw from a uh, from a collector's perspective with Panini that they for some reason have not done. And it would be such such a show of goodwill to the hobby for them to say, you know what, we're going to take these five veteran guys or these two sets from national treasures. We're going to take the top 10 rookies and we're going to put all of those cards into a patch database. And yeah. that way you have a, you have a reference it's public, you can check it. Um, and it's the, it's useful information that you guys have to help protect the hobby. And this, you know this kind of kudos to hockey. Yeah. Kudos to hockey because you guys have done that internally, you know, creating the, the master patch. I, I think it's, it's what, like a master patch database for a lot of the years of the cup rookies. Yeah, um, actually it was, it was, that was actually myself I, in 2009. That I was went, you? It was me in 2009. I, I went, to, that. <laughs> yeah. In, in 2009, I went to upper decks facility, North Carolina with Carvin um, mm -hmm. and among other upper deck employees and uh, and I was brought down. I went on my own time, my own dime, and I went there to photograph all the patch cards from the cup for 0809 the cup. And right. um, I mean, first of all, it was an awesome experience as a as a lifelong hobbyist. But I proved that it can be done. I photographed twenty eight thousand cards in four days. I had a camera set up on a tripod, looking down on a table, and you know that product is hand packed, just like Exquisite is or was. Mm -hmm. So. I I was kind of in the in in the uh, in the chain. I was ahead of or the assembly line. I was ahead of the the guys who were hand packing the the cards. So I was very carefully taking the cards, arranging them on a table, like like six seventy two cards in a in a in a picture time kind of thing. Super high high power camera, and took all these images. And um, and it it was actually really cool in that I got to see all these cards, but I also got to build this database of all these images. They didn't have me back in future years. Fine, I wasn't an employee. I was an outsider. I was surprised they let me in there in the first place. But I did prove it can be done. Um, I proved it can be done for not that expensive, and uh, because I did it for I did it for free. All it cost me was a hotel room and a, and a plane ticket. And um, and it, you know, it can be done. I know it can be done because I've done it for a major card company for a major product. So. I think, you know, and I talked about this on prior episodes with Upper Deck uh, staff and, you know, it's something I continue to sort of lobby for and see if they'll do it because it's important. And the reason why I was even invited there in the first place was because when the cup patched cards first started coming out and they started to be faked and I was noticing these, I started to collect images on the internet for all the different patch cards. And that might be the database you're talking about. I, I was probably one of the first people to ever do this. And, mm -hmm. um, Unfortunately, I just got burnt out and I stopped doing it. I mean, you know, things come along. You can't hunt the internet for, and especially as more and more years go by and more and more products hit, 
how many different cards can I search for uh, for patches of and different unique copies. And anyway, so that database is still out there floating around. I can still send people a link if they're interested, uh, but it's hockey only and it's from the cup. Let's move along though. Um, Billy Cardboard Nostalgia, he wants to know, is there upside for a guy like Yao Ming with all the Asian collectors coming in? He thinks his cards look cheap. Do you Have you noticed any additional demand for his cards because of the influx of Asian collectors? Yes, the the, the prices of, of Yao stuff have, have definitely um, ticked up a fair amount over over the past, I would say, 12 to 18 months. Um, however, the, the stuff that I, I really track of his is, is primarily exquisite. Excuse me. So the, a lot of those cards are going to be um, lower numbered cards since, since Yao Ming wore number 11. Um, a lot of his cards are going to be numbered to 11 from exquisite. So they, they, are, they are tough to find. Um, but but those, those cards that I follow have, have definitely increased. And I, I think your point um, to his rookie cards being uh, being cheap is is valid, especially in relation to um, just what other what other cards sell for, and, and knowing how important he is to uh, the Asian collectors market. Um, and, and I would say that uh, you know it's 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 one of those things with with Yao where we he was a phenomenal player. Like it's, we're just so far removed from it. And, and unfortunately his, his career was cut short with injuries, but he was a phenomenal, like transformational basketball player who was seven, four, seven, five. He could step out and, and shoot to 20 feet. Um, yeah. He had good footwork. He, he wasn't, you know, he wasn't clumsy. He wasn't like a, a Sean Bradley or a George Mirasan. Like he was incredibly skilled and incredibly gifted. And, you know, if, if, from the, the prospect prospecting angle, like we've talked about, um, if you if you start to see that his cards do seem cheap relative to other players, um, whether it's from that era or other big men or from other sets, whatever the case might be, you know, it, the, the market the, right the market will right. likely come around because that's everybody is trying to find value right now and yeah. not only find value but create value. So. If if you like if you like Yao, I I think there's a lot of reasons to um, to, to start to start to test the waters. Yep. All right, let's keep going. Uh, Richie says shinny cards for Jeremy. That's another word for hockey. Yes, hockey cards for Jeremy. But along with basketball, baseball, football, Joey says love these shows, Jeremy. Thank you, Joey. Thank you. Welcome to the show, Jay. Messy RCs are going nuts. Uh, his best his best PSA ten sold for over twenty thousand dollars. So soccer is catching on. Michael says, interesting perspective. That comment is about 12 minutes ago, so I'm not sure what that was for, but thanks, Michael. Ziggy says, did you see the PSA 10 Jordan last two sales for 74 grand off the high of $90,000 or $290,000 auctions? Yes, and you know, in this hobby, values fluctuate day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month, and um, you know that the last dance is over now, and um, you know, not to say that those cards will not remain where they are but let's face it that card went from being twenty thousand dollars to a hundred thousand dollars now down to 75 i think everybody holding one is still pretty darn happy they have one at 75 grand for even though it's not a hundred anymore michael says you'd think that the market would get stronger considering considering people have more disposable income 
from their jobs. Well, I mean, we saw the exact opposite happen with COVID. So it's tough to say what's going to happen when people go back to work. Right. I think when sports start up, market might slow down. Our sports entertainment these days is eBay and breaking. Great point. We have nothing else to do. That's even why I'm here right now with you, Justin, because I was getting bored with COVID. Let's start up some, let's create some hobby content. Let's, uh, let's get involved and do that. So I think, I think there's valid, that's a valid point there from Carvin. I definitely agree with that. Ziggy says rumors of Gary V interview with the tops project 2020 artist. It's hyping up the market. What are your thoughts on Gary V in the hobby with all the new investors who follow Gary V Justin, take this one, make it quick. Cause we're running out of time. We still have lots to get to. Sure. Um, I, I, I understand both sides of, of the Gary V argument. Gary has brought a significant amount of new eyes to the hobby. Um, not only from the, his followers, but I mean, professional athletes. He, he's done some interviews with uh, Serge Ibaka as a collector. I, I think CJ McCollum collects and he's talked to him. So he, there, there's no, there's no denying the kind of the, the reach and the influence that, that Gary Vee can bring to whatever it is that he decides to, uh, to go after next. Um, I think that I, I would caution people about buying into the cards that he says are going to be valuable or going to run up um, and whenever he does that publicly, just because whenever he mentions that player publicly, you can probably bet that he already has a few of those particular players cards in his stack. So it doesn't necessarily hurt him to make these recommendations. And again, I think he, I think he stated that he's, He's 85% long-term hold. He hasn't defined long-term, but again, we'll give him the benefit of the doubt on that. He said he's 85% long-term and 15% flip. So if that's the case, then you would hope that if you're buying the stuff that he's talking about, that you would be fairly okay. Um, but again, he he is only, he hasn't even been doing this for, well, I think he's probably right around a year now that, that he's been um, an active participant in the hobby. It's a couple, as you know, he was set oh, up. Na- okay, he was set up at the national last year, and he was at the national the year before. But oh, sorry, yeah. cover without drawing yeah. attention. You know, you mentioned that you know he says you know when when he announces a card that he thinks is worth buying. I remember um, it was right around the national last year. He was saying buy up uh, LeBron James tops chromes, and at the time they were selling for under fifteen hundred dollars. Well, it didn't take long for that card to double in price, and now they're doing $7,500 or even more. One just sold the other night for $7,850. So um, I was lucky. I bought mine for like $1,100 about a year earlier. And when he said that, I thought, well, this is great. If it's going to have any impact on the value of the cards, uh, I'm not going to complain. Okay. Sure. And the, the, but the counterpoint there being there, there's LeBron and there's also De'Aaron Fox and Sam Darnold and, and, and the like. So it's, sure. you know, he, sure. he, it's it just, it, it speaks to the importance of just making sure that, that you know why you're buying something before. Yeah. You buy it. And I think also keep in mind that although he's only been like back in the game for two years, he is still a collector. Like he does love mm-hmm. this stuff. He's not, my take is he's not just in it to make money from flipping cards. He loves the, he loves the hobby. He loves the cards themselves. And he loves the action. He loves the haggling. He loves the wheeling and dealing, just like a lot of us do. Okay. Barry says, I think the current players will pick up more with them back in the spotlight and the retired stuff will settle back down and level off. Now, I I do completely agree with that. The only caveat I'll add is I think that the, um, the retired stuff 
it will level off, but I do think we've seen permanent value increases. Uh, I shouldn't say permanent as in forever, but I think that the, the, the overall level has risen. I think that's a good thing. Aaron says, good, good discussion tonight. Thank you, Aaron. Appreciate that feedback. That's a compliment for you too, Justin. Thank you very much. Um, let's see. Chris says, do you feel companies are now, do you feel companies are now catering to group breakers by creating huh. products geared towards that model? Well, I can take this for a sec, Justin, because yeah, go we, for know, it. we know for a fact that they are. We know for a fact that card companies have started to change the way they package product. Instead of doing two 12 box inners, they're doing three eight box inners because that's what people want. It's just, there's an extra case sitting there now. So the, 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 the quick and easy answer, and I know this, I've had this verified, is yes, they are definitely catering to breakers as they should. Breakers open up more product than anybody, it seems like right now. So as they should. Ziggy, another great show. Jeremy, an excellent guest. Thank you, Justin. I will say that as well. Thank you, Justin, for joining tonight. Uh, Richie says, would love to see those sit-downs again at National, for sure. Uh, I remember those days, Carvin. Awesome story, Jeremy, on the patch. I'm going to grab a camera and go to Dallas and visit Panini, as you should. Uh, Please do. Please do. (laughs) They'll let you in there. Go photograph those patches because it was uh, probably one of the highlights of my hobby career of all time. I still remember it, uh, you know, fondly. And and I have to thank Carvin for really helping me with that opportunity. It it was awesome. I mean, what, what kid doesn't want to go to Upper Deck's facility and take pictures of all the cards with the guys that are hand-packing the product. I mean, that was a hobby uh, bucket list thing that I don't think many other people will get to have. So definitely um, thank you for that comment, Ziggy. Scotty says, been quiet tonight as it's not my sport for collecting, but this has been very entertaining. Well, thanks for sticking it out, Scott. Really appreciate it. Chris wants to know, what does Justin collect? Well, as he said earlier, LeBron, Kobe, and MJ. Justin, I apologize. I'm just kind of whipping through these to catch up. No, you're good. Yep. Ziggy says, last comment, Vegas Dave did a video explaining his sale of the out of five trout. He teased he has another major move coming in sports cards. Justin, you're shaking your head. I don't have any comment on this. What do you want to say? Uh, so Vegas, all right, I'll keep this short too, but Vegas Dave's next big move that he announced is to buy, his, he thinks the next big player to jump is David Carr. This is the backstory of Vegas Dave and David Carr. Vegas Dave bought David Carr cards, all of his biggest national treasures, his biggest contender cards at the absolute peak of their market value two to three years ago or whatever it was. They have cratered since then. He is now trying to leverage the sale of his Mike Trout Red on Golden as some sort of hobby guru to say that, hey, guys, here's my next big pick. I hit on Trout. So let me tell you what the next one's going to be. The next one's going to be David or uh, Derek Carr, whichever car it is. Who cares? Yeah. A car. Basically, he, right, a car. He's <laughs> saying that his next, the next big pick that he has is a guy that he's already the biggest collector of. And he's saying this because he has so much money dumped into it and he's lost all of that money. So that, that is yeah. my opinion on his David Carr take. And you can probably read between the lines on what I think about Vegas Dave. God, awesome. Okay. Jason says, I like some of the tops 2020 projects. I have 10 or so of the later number ones. Wish I got in on the start. I think we we all do. I got in about number 63 and bought a few of them, but I've I've stopped. I'm picking up ones I like, but uh, I think that we're going to find deals on the secondary market in upcoming months and shows. I can see stacks of these on, on tables at the National for uh, less than the $20 US that, that tops um, retails them for. Uh, you'll like this next comment, Justin. 
from Jason. Is that an Andre the Giant t-shirt? Yes, it my is. My man. Yes, sir, yep. it is, Jason. Yeah, this is this is my favorite one. I'm a wrestling guy. I probably have about a dozen wrestling t-shirts, and Andre is uh this is the this is the go-to. So great eye. Do you have his uh his rookie card, that yellow card from like 1984? Uh, no, I, I don't, I do not, honestly. But that one, him and and the the Ric Flair rookie from from way, way back when is those are those yellow. are two that Yep. The yellow yep. border, right? Yeah. Yep, I that's mind, exactly right. I wouldn't mind the Hulk Hogan from that. Carbon says, yep, he's trying to move his cars. A uh, couple of ha-has, a respect to Justin from Ziggy. Um, as someone that has regularly watched the Raiders <laughs> uh, from uh, Chris West. Yeah. Yeah. Amit uh, agrees regarding Tops 2020. And Jason, love me some Andre the Giant. We are finally caught up on comments right now, Justin. We were about 15 minutes behind for the longest time. That's why I wanted to whip through a bunch of them. Cool. Um, Chris does want to know if you have any wrestling rookies. We're just about at the two-hour mark. Not that we have to stop, but, I mean, it gets, it, it gets long. So take that one, and then we'll start to wrap up. Yeah, no, un- unfortunately, no. I haven't picked up any, uh, any wrestling cards yet. I, I definitely want to. I just... I just haven't figured out which which ones I want to buy, or I I haven't tried to understand the the market on those because I they were they were expensive way back when the first time I just kind of casually looked at them, and that means they're more expensive now. So I I haven't taken the plunge yet, but I I do want to for sure, and I'm sure they've gone up with everything. All right, so <clears throat> Justin, we had a bit of an agenda tonight. I'm looking at it right now. We missed like we didn't get to like half of it pretty much, which I'm okay with because. We've had amazing interaction from all the all the viewers watching. So a humongous thank you to everybody watching. We've had more, tons of viewers tonight. Before you guys go, I do want to, before I forget, I want to show you guys what was Justin's first Instagram post. Now remember, Justin has over 4,000 followers on Instagram compared to myself. I just hit like 1,200 earlier today. So he's got a monstrous Instagram following. And we didn't even get to the whole virtual show thing. Like, <laughs> I mean, that was, was really the reason why I even asked you to come on the show was to hey, talk. That's about okay. It. We're gonna have to book you for another episode later on in the summer, maybe, and we can we can actually do a, a virtual shows in review and talk about how they went and how we thought they were at that that's a time. Great idea. Yeah, yep. we, we will. Yeah, Amit says. Uh, Amit says, please bring him back. Amit's one of my my closest hobby friends, actually. And um, so, you know, if, if he's saying bring him back, that 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 means he would love to see you back. So, Amit, I'm just glad you're happy to watch. And Amit, you know, just means that you've been a great guest. So I'm very thankful for that, Justin. But, you know, we didn't talk about – I wanted to get your perception on hockey as a non-hockey mm-hmm. guy. We didn't get to that. I wanted to talk about Instagram and its effect that it's had on the hobby and how you see it evolving as we move forward. And then there was all the current – the hot topics like – the golden auction trout sale, which we did touch on the sale of the Puerto Rico collection that led to the dual logo man, the Jordan LeBron selling for over $900,000 just earlier this year. Um, we missed talking about uh, the trimming scandal, which we don't have to, it's been overdone. And of course, grading in general, which has been done plenty on this show. So we don't necessarily need to do it again, but um, I'm okay with missing what we missed, Justin. It's been a, a ton of fun with you tonight. So Thank you again so much, Guy. Anyone who's not following just on Instagram yet, there's his handle at 610 Sports Cards because he is literally six foot ten. He looks down on me and I'm six foot six. So please follow Justin. If you're not following me yet on Instagram, there it is, Jaylee underscore cards. If you're a Twitter user, I started up a Twitter account for this channel. 
a few weeks ago. Please go ahead and follow there. I'll post on there every so often. As a reminder, the Sports Card Expo Virtual Edition is coming up on June 19th and 20th. This is going to be really the most professional virtual show that's been done. It's being done on, 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 on trade show software. I'm going to be set up as a vendor for this. I'm going to give it a shot. I'm going to support it from the beginning, get in on the ground floor, the inaugural show. It's likely something that will have multiple occurrences as the years go by. So check out sportcardexpo.com. Um, should be interesting if nothing else. And, you know, something for us to, as a hobby to rally behind and hope that this thing can grow and be another option for people to, uh, to see cards. I mean, Justin has what he does on Instagram, which we didn't even talk about. I'm sorry, Justin, but we got, That's okay. we, had, we had so much discussion, but I will mention quickly that, you know, you started the virtual card show on Instagram. I took part in it. You had a second one. You quickly let us know, what do you have planned next for that? If anything? Yeah. So it's, it's just trying to, it's trying to find something, something different because there are, there's different options out there. And I think the it's, it's great to have the different options. They, they speak to different types of collectors, different segments of collectors, um, different, um, each what's one has next? different. What's next for you on there though? Sorry, right, to run, yeah. we're getting late and I, I still want to show your card. No, that's fine. So yeah, I'm, I'm working on something that would essentially be a, a 24 hour straight card show on likely on Instagram, but just to, to try and give more international collectors the opportunity to uh, interact with one another and, and participate because that's always been the challenge since I only I run this on a Saturday afternoon. Right. We are we are a global community and there are so many international collectors. It would be great to get them on there and for us to see their cards. And the nice thing is that when they when they go live on Instagram during your shows, it actually saves to their story, I believe, for like a day. So you can go back mm -hmm. and watch them later, which is pretty awesome. Before we go, I'm going to share the, my screen now and I'm going to show you guys all what was Justin's very first post on Instagram. And if you know basketball, you might know the guys on this card right here. So there it is. Justin posted this back in 2017, I believe. Yeah, January 13th, 2017. And uh, I mean, look at this card. A LeBron Michael Jordan dual patch on card auto numbered out of five. This card is a beast. I mean, it's a beast of beasts. And um, do you still own this card, Justin? I do, yes. I purchased that. Um, I think I bought it at the 2015 National. Uh, so yeah, I, it's bought about five years ago. And that's definitely one of the, the older ones that's that's in the safe. And if you're willing to discuss, are you willing to tell us what you would have paid for it back in, in that year and what you would approximately value it at, at now? Uh, so I pay, I think I paid $3,500 for it back then. Um, and I'll, I'll just say it's, it's worth more than that now. <laughs> Fair. Fair <laughs> enough. Okay. All right, guys. So if you're not following him on Instagram, please do same with me, subscribe to this YouTube channel. I'm going to, we're going to finish out the show here with just addressing the final comments. Uh, Justin is doing his best Don West impression on Instagram, 24 hours a day, be dialing. That's not bad. Wow. LOL. That's a massive card. Yes, it is. That's better than an empty top loader. <laughs> and, I, and, and on that comment, we're going to say good night. Thanks, everybody, for watching. Um, Saturday night, I might be freestyling next Wednesday. Uh, um, come on, come on, come on, come on. Ken Reed from Sportsnet, co-anchor on Sportsnet. 
will be joining me next Wednesday on the show, uh, author of two different hockey card books. So come check that out and well known to every sports fan in Canada. So come check that out. Uh, here's an offer for the uh, MJ LeBron. <laughs> okay. Uh, Touche, Frankie. Touche. Touche. For, for the Hobby is one of my favorite YouTube shows. Uh, so thank you for watching. And if you're not subscribed yet to For the Hobby, please do. You can actually find them on my favorite uh, YouTube channels section on my YouTube channel, Sports Cards Live. So check that out. Barry Grice, thank you for joining. Good night. Chris West. But wait, there's more. I know. I can never end these shows. We're ending it. It's over. Good night, everybody. Thank you for watching. Justin, wait right there. I'll see you in the back room. Again, good night, everyone. Thank you so much. Be safe. Be nice. Be kind out there. The world is a nasty place right now, so let's do what we can to make it better. Good night, everybody. It's wrapping up. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games.